This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City council meetings are held at 7 p.m. two Mondays per month in council chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to our December 19th, 2022 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, Lacey, will you please call roll? Honorable Mayor Donker. Here. Councilman Waspinski. <laughs> Councilman Arnosky. Here. Councilman Soler. Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm. Here. Okay, thank you very much. Does anyone on council have a conflict of interest with anything that's on this evening's agenda? No, Madam Mayor. Okay, then seeing none, we'll move on to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There'll be no separate consideration of these items unless a council member or citizen so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there's even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence in regular fashion. Is there anyone from council who would like an item removed from the consent agenda? Okay, seeing none, anyone from the public want an item removed from the consent agenda? All right, yes ma'am. Okay, item number eight. All right, very good. Thank you. Could I have your name? Elizabeth Thomas. Thank you. Okay. So can we have a motion to accept the consent agenda? So move. Second. Any discussion? All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. Um, we have um, one presentation this evening, and it's actually um, also impacts item number four. So I would like to move item number four up to right after number three before public comment. So we'll cover both of those items at the same time. Okay, and so with that, um, this is one of our favorite things we do towards the end of the year. We get to hear about our golf course because things have been going so great there. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Mr. Keenan. 
unfortunately, these reports have been pretty positive the last uh, several years. I remember if you go back a handful of years before that, that wasn't always the case. Um, but tonight we have uh, Nick Badnar, who's going to be doing the present uh, presentation for Indigo Sports, previously known as Billy Casper. Um, they've been managing our course since 2013, and they come in at the end of every season to kind of tell us how things went and maybe give us a couple of little nuggets about what might happen next year. You guys doing that, or am I set the bar too high? <laughs> anyway, so uh, with no further ado, I'm going to let Nick take the podium. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Madam Mayor, members of council, thank you for the opportunity to present this evening. Um, it is a great time of year. We're obviously slowing down from golf with the snow cover and, and cold weather, um, but we have a great story to tell. So um, look forward to talking through that and sharing a little bit of um, an industry overview as well, which I will start with. So um, golf is um, in a pretty good spot the last few years, um, as we've talked about in these presentations before, the, uh, the outdoor socially distant nature really benefited golf uh, going through COVID and we were one of the businesses that was able to stay open. Um, and we've seen an influx of new players in the game has really uh, transformed the industry. And I'll, I'll get into some of those metrics in a bit. This is, the, uh, this is done by Golf Data Tech and National Golf Foundation measures national rounds played. So this is a pretty good indicator of how uh, the business is doing. Um, obviously, golf is a weather business, so um, some of these regions get impacted by weather more than others. Um, for the year, we are down about 2% nationwide on rounds played. Uh, 2021 was a record year in terms of rounds played, so um, still doing quite well. Uh, closer here, Michigan is uh, is actually up as a state, 6%, and uh, the major metro area uh, measured here is Detroit, which is down 1.2%. So I uh, mentioned last year being a, a record year, the 529 at the top right, uh, that's 529 million rounds of golf played in the United States last year. That's the most that have been played in the past 20 years, um, which was preceded in 2020 by 502 million rounds. So. Mm -hmm. You can see the upward curve of participation uh, kind of matches uh, the number of golfers that are playing on course. We have 20, over 25 million on-course golfers in the country. What's interesting about this is you can see the peak of golfers back in 2004, which is following what, uh, Tiger Woods coming into the, uh, coming into the game, and, and many picked up the game after that. However, we were doing more, less rounds of golf with more golfers back then. Uh, so this shows that the golfers that are still playing today are engaged and they're committed to the game, um, which is great to see. So this is, uh, this is something that's been happening over the past 15 years or so, but as technology has come into our lives, uh, it's also penetrated the, the world of golf too. And, and many of you have probably seen these, uh, these venues called Top Golf or Drive Shack uh, along the highways. Um, also simulators uh, indoors, so a lot of people are getting their golf away from the golf course and some people are getting their golf almost exclusively at these places. But there is a correlation between off-course play and on-course play. Uh, in fact, people who play at Top Golf and simulators are 20% more likely to pick up the game uh, than, uh, than someone who does not. So it has had a positive impact on our industry. Uh, and no, we do not count putt-putt as, uh, as a golfer, but um, there are 18 million people who played putt-putt last year. So. so again, total U.S. golf participation between on-course and off-course is 37.5 million. That is uh, the number one uh, sport, recreational sport played in the country. 
25.1 million people played on a golf course last year. 24.8 played at an off-course venue, like a top golf or a driving range last year. That gap is getting much, much closer, as you can see. Um, so one of the most exciting things about golf is that it's changing for the better. It's becoming more diverse, um, battling some of the, the reputation of being um, you know, a white man sport um, many years ago to uh, th those that are coming into the industry today are way more likely to be female and non-Caucasian. Uh, we had 3.2 uh, million beginners took up the game uh, for the first time last year. And we have uh, approximately 17.8 million people who are highly interested in picking up the game. That's what's called latent demand in our industry, and it's something we are trying to get those golfers uh, eagerly to come out and experience the game. Uh, but on the far right, you can see um, the beginners are 35% more likely to be female than the current, uh, current golfer database, and they're 45% uh, more likely to be non-Caucasian, too. So fantastic trends. This, these have been happening for a while, and... Um, Certainly through time, it's going to transform our game for the better. So again, big picture, we have record numbers of new golfers coming into the game. Uh, it's getting more diverse. Off-course venues are growing at a faster rate than on-course, and they're growing. Uh, Topgolf has plans to expand uh, simulators. If you, if you go to any trade show, you'll see the floor is dominated by uh, the technology that's coming into the game. So that's going to continue to pro proliferate. Uh, On-course supply is still in contraction, which means that more golf courses are closing than opening. Uh, we are seeing a little bit of an uptick in golf course openings, but um, fortunately, I think um, the business has learned from uh, the, the 80s and 90s where we got oversupplied. Um, so equilibrium is coming, but um, there are still more golf courses closing than opening. On-course participation is still high. Um, overall, we're down a bit to last year, but we're still up 15 to 20% from pre-pandemic levels. Um, that increased demand has given facilities some much-needed pricing power, uh, which we'll talk about how that's impacting Curry. Um, so it's driving revenues, even though rounds are staying about the same, we're, we're driving revenues through uh, price increases. Uh, on the other hand, that's our biggest challenge. Uh, so our prices are going up on our, uh, our core components, uh, mainly labor, as well as chemicals, fertilizers, and all the things that go into making a golf course. So um, that's, that's our biggest challenge right now, is trying to offset our increase, our increase in costs. All right, so Curry, um, kind of following the trend of the rest of the country and Michigan was down, uh, projecting just 500 rounds down to prior year. Uh, you can see how that compares to uh, the 2017 through 2019 uh, years uh, prior, prior to COVID and the flood. Um, so we're, we're up pretty significantly, um, over 20% uh, from pre-pandemic levels at Curry. Total revenues, uh, again, although rounds are the same, our revenues are up for two reasons. Uh, first off, we were able to go to our uh, regularly scheduled pricing from 2020 before everything kind of happened and uh, took, us, took us off course. Um, so we're able to get our full rack rate pricing this year. And the clubhouse was open, so we were able to drive uh, food and beverage and merchandise revenues. And uh, the bottom line, um, something I, I know we're all very happy and proud about, is that this is the second straight year that we're projecting a, a profitable operation at Curry. Um, again, expenses are, are outpacing revenues, um, but we're still projecting right around $100,000 in net operating profit at Curry for 2022. 
All right, this is the fun stuff. So one of the one of the highlights of the year has been the last few years doing the uh, Dow Great Lakes Bay Invitational. We are the host range site for the tournament. Um, so the players will come over and use curry prior to the round. Um, we also host a uh, Monday Junior Clinic with the uh, First Tee of Eastern Michigan. We have over 300 kids come and uh, interact with the LPGA players. Uh, just a fantastic day, fantastic exposure for the golf course, and a uh, great day for the kids. We had um, over, over 200 participants in our junior programs this year, uh, 92 in the junior golf camps and programs. Uh, the drive, chip, and putt is a national qualifier uh, whereby qualifying uh, kids can earn their way to play at Augusta National the week of the Masters uh, through the drive, chip, and putt program. Uh, the PGA Junior League is much like Little League Baseball, um, cool program that started about 10 years ago, and we had three teams at Curry, a total of 40 participants playing in that. And then the first T program had 97 participants as well. Uh, lesson revenues were just over $13,000. We've expanded to multiple instructors at Curry, uh, so anybody who's looking to play the game, uh, we have an instructor can, that can help get you off the ground and, and improve your game as you grow. And then this past year, outings came back um, pretty well to full, uh, full force where we were uh, before the pandemic. So we had over 3,000 outing participants as well, which was another, uh, another driver of total revenues for the course. It's important, we talked about pricing power, and, and yes, we need to continue to grow our, uh, our pricing alongside our, our increasing costs. Uh, but it's important to know that our, our role, too, as a municipal golf course and accessible golf course is uh, we are available and accessible to, uh, to everybody. Um, we have memberships that are for sale that are um, designed to help our most loyal and avid golfers save money throughout the course of the year. Uh, so we have 53 people who take advantage of that. We also have 31 people who, who buy a range membership solely. Uh, we have a birdie pass program. If you don't want the full membership, you can get a $19 card program that gives you nine bucks off every time you play, uh, which makes golf more affordable. We have over a thousand people in that program. Um, and then if you look at our average blended rate, so this includes anything from a nine hole round to an 18 hole round to a walker to a rider. Uh, but on average, people pay 22 bucks to play Curry. Um, so it's still a very affordable uh, recreational outlet. So looking forward to 2023, um, we have uh, followed a good plan uh, focused on product, people, and promotion. That's at the core of what we're always going to do. Um, but we need to continue to grow our, our reputation as a premier public golf venue and value in mid-Michigan. And um, thank you for helping us prioritize equipment. Um, while we're still going to wait on those pieces throughout the year, uh, we're very, very excited to I replaced some of the aging equipment fleet at Curry, much, much needed, and um, will only go to help us continue to maintain the golf courses at a high standard. Pricing uh, will return to normal. We are uh, increasing pricing alongside inflation. Um, it's, it's nothing more than a few bucks here and there. Um, so we're keeping prices affordable, but that, assuming that rounds are going to stay about the same, uh, that's how we're going to continue to grow revenues at Curry to offset our rising costs. Uh, and then food and beverage being back, uh, the restaurant being back in full force, too, will be an area of, uh, of prioritization. And then, again, we shared all the slides about people's interest in the game. We're definitely feeling that at Curry. 
Um, we've got the perfect place to learn the game of golf. Uh, we have a par three course, we have a driving range, we have a nine hole course that's uh, shorter, and we have a championship course where we held a US Open qualifier a few years ago. So there really is something for every golfer and we're designing our program to make sure we have the instructors and we have the welcoming environment uh, that people want to come to Curry and learn the game and, uh, and grow there. And that is it. So at this point, I'll be happy to answer any questions that may be out there. Any questions? I have one. So mine's going back to equipment that you're waiting for. Are you still encountering, or the golf industry still encountering supply chain issues, delayed deliveries? Yeah. Okay. It is, and it's it's definitely on some of the bigger pieces, the equipments, um, mm -hmm. the fine cut mowers and the rough mowers are still 12 to 18 months for production. Um, some of the specialty units, like uh, we're getting a top dresser and a roller for the greens, we'll see those actually in I think January. Um, so some of the stuff will come in in January, some will come in the spring, some may come in the fall. Uh, but the, yes, we're, we're still battling supply chain issues and, and it transfers over to uh, merchandise, mm -hmm. you know, golf clubs, golf balls. So okay. just having to be a little more creative and, um, and work through those and just do the best to stay out in front of them. Okay. Thank you. What's the status of the foot golf, uh, course? Foot golf continues. Um, you know, I'd like to say we're seeing the same boom in foot golf, but it, it definitely is. It's um, it, it, and it's followed this pattern nationally. It kind of leveled off a little bit. Uh, it still pays for itself. We still have a, a good group of people who come out, uh, loyal foot golfers, as well as people who have birthday parties uh, and whatnot. So it, it brings about four thousand dollars of revenue a year, and it's a good use of that par three space, um, which it, it doesn't really impact our. Uh, it doesn't conflict with our golfers on that space. Okay. And then I probably should know this, but um, do we give exclusive control over the green fee pricing to you, or do you do work with Dave on that, or how is that determined? It's part of the annual budgeting process, so we will, we will work together. Um, and again, we, we are very mindful of trying to keep that in a, at a reasonable level. Um, you know, the last thing we want is, is to shock people uh, with pricing increases. Um, and, and at the same time, try to explain those to our league and members that so they can help see it coming um, but yeah we, we do budget that um, and, and work alongside administration on that okay thanks all right any other questions for nick well again let me say how nice it is to really have you here it's, and it's nice to have this kind of conversation than some of the ones we had years ago let me say that so i think we can really see that um, things are going better and it's a golf is an exciting sport here in midland you know, and certainly the LPGA event has really helped, you know, up that ante, so to speak, um, because it becomes a week of lots of great activity and people really, you know, come and um, learn about Midland, which is really very nice. And so we're glad as a city that we can be a part of it with our course. So thank you well, very I'll, much. I want to take this opportunity to thank the city of Midland. Our relationship with Dave has been phenomenal since day one. I know we're about to talk about a, a different subject, but it's been nine seasons now, believe it or not. And um, very exciting to see what's happened the last two years. Um, a lot of credit to our general manager, Paul Milholland, our superintendent, Jerome Blonick, uh, who are in the audience here. These, these are the guys that are making it happen and their team. Um, and we just, we couldn't be prouder to be a part of the community. So thank you all. And it's, um, you know, our success is your success. We, yeah. we work together. Um, we've had difficult moments. We've had difficult decisions. And um, it's been nothing but 
just uh, professional and, and productive. So we thank you for that. Great. Um, and thanks for recognizing our staff because we think they're great too. They're doing a wonderful job. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. I know that item number four is uh, can kind of a continuation of this. So we'll turn over over to you, Mr. Keenan. And just and let me just say, Dave, I savor all of these moments with you. <laughs> this this, this, discu <coughs> this discussion in the budget, two of my favorites. Uh, okay, yeah. I'll remember that okay. a couple of months when it is budget. Um, so, as Nick said, we've uh, we've had this partnership for nine years, um, and the existing contract was set up for um, three years, then a two-year, two-year, and two years. You've actually seen me four times. Um, the original and the renewals related to the existing agreement. So what I'm here to do is talk about how we could move forward. So um, in, 20, in 2013, we actually went through the process, this election process. It was quite a lengthy ordeal. Um, we did it because at that point, we were really struggling financially. The state had taken notice of the golf course. We had a deficit elimination plan. We were pulling a lot of money out of the general fund and, and looking for a solution. So we went out to the market and made a selection, a competitive selection and brought in, at the time was Billy Casper. Um, and that's really been a good move because you know the deficit has been eliminated, the state is off our backs. Um, at that time we were putting $540,000 in the general fund, now it's down to 250 with the promise of reducing it um, even next year. And you can quote me when we talk about this during the budget season, so um, that's, that's the goal. Uh, revenue and participation has gone up. You saw the charts, you saw the numbers. Uh, Nick, um, you remember back when we uh, were talking about the driving range. Well, these folks were on board at that point and they were part of that plan to relocate the driving range over to in front of the East Clubhouse. That's how long it's been. Um, we talked about the Great Lakes Invitational. You know, that's been a great thing for us that they were have been a big part of. Nick referred to equipment. We talked about that. They help us put together um, equipment replacement maintenance program that hopefully is going to take us forward, especially if we can continue to be uh, somewhat profitable and make it things easier moving forward. Uh, they put the course back together after the floods. And I'm not just talking about 2017 and 2020. Um, there were some other ones over that nine-year period as well. Not quite as bad, but every time um, it does impact play and closure. The course is in great shape. Uh, the number of products and, and programs that are offered, um, you know, it's, it's just a very good situation to be in. These folks have been responsive not only to me, but to the patrons. Um, I have not had, I don't get calls anymore about people who are unhappy at the golf course or problems, or I want to talk to so-and-so, who manages this, who runs this? You know, I don't get that. Rarely do I get that, and that wasn't the case many years ago. Um, so the existing contract expires at the end of this calendar year, and so they have proposed a renewal. Um, most of the details of the existing contract would, would carry forward. All I'm going to do is touch on a couple of things that are different. Uh, the initial term would be five years with two three-year options for renewals, in which case they would have to come back to council. Um, someone would be, it won't be me, I'm told. Um, Someone would make that presentation and council would have that option at the time. The compensation, uh, when we started back in, in 2013, the agreement provided for a 1% increase every year. Uh, that will continue to roll forward. 
Um, so we would start at 8,200. Um, the current year rate is 81.22, and if you add 1% to that, it gets you to 82 and some change. So it's, it's really just rolling that forward. The one thing that's a bit different is um, the existing contract does have a provision for profit sharing. I'll just call it for lack of a better term, but it's, it's 20% <laughs> uh, based upon what we thought was a, a solid benchmark at the time, um, which no longer exists. And so it's 20% using a number that isn't out there anymore. And they've actually been profitable two years now, but yet we've, they haven't come forward and said, pay me. Um, so moving forward, what we're going to do is, is we're proposing just make it a 15% uh, percentage of the earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. Um, that way, as Nick said, their success is our success. So if we are profitable, they're incentivized to, to do that. So we can continue to not be a burden to the general funds, um, free up those financial opportunities to be spent on other things. And so that's, that's the real one probably the biggest change of the agreement. Uh, like I said, the rest of the terms that we have about, you know, who provides what insurance, who's responsible for this, all that stuff is pretty well spelled out and that would continue to roll forward. So um, we think it's been a really good relationship for nine years. They really helped us get to a much better place. Um, you know, the golf course is not something I see a lot of negativity about in the, in the news, in the newspaper, the phone calls. It's it's. By and large, it's mostly positive that I hear now because of the situation that we're in. And quite frankly, it's because of Indigo Golf uh, that we're in that situation. So staff is recommending to council that, that you all consider approving this. Um, it requires a three-fifths vote. These folks are here. If you want to hear more of their shtick, they can come up and do it. Um, I've asked them to stick around just in case. Um, but that's, that's kind of where we are. So the resolution would approve it for the initial five years. Uh, request that the mayor and the city clerk be authorized to sign that document and it would be effective January 1st of 2023. Okay. Anyone on council have any questions for Mr. Keenan? Yeah, uh, Dave, five years is a kind of a long time and uh, Indigo has been ma managing it real well uh, and we're positive at least, you know, based mm -hmm. on the graphs here. Um, if it goes negative, is there a opportunity for us to reevaluate prior to the end of the five years? Well, the original contract did have provisions for non-performance and things of that nature. So, yeah, we, we could do that. It's, it's, more, it's more of a sign of a commitment, I think, from them to us and us to them, because mm -hmm. um, it's worked so well. And I, well, but, absolutely. but yes, obviously, if they're not living up to the end of the bargain, we're not happy, they're not happy, then within certain parameters, you know, we, we don't have to be locked in forever. That hasn't you know, hasn't been the case. I have no reason to think that that would be the case moving forward. So. Okay. And this fifteen percent called profit sharing mm -hmm. uh, calculation will supersede the prior calculation. Yes. In the contract. Yes. Okay. Okay. Any other questions for Mr. Keenan? Okay. Thank you very much. Are there any comments from the public as it relates to this topic? Okay, seeing none, then will you please read the resolution? This resolution 
would approve the renewal of an agreement with Indigo Sports for management of operations at Curry Municipal Golf Course for a five-year period commencing on January 1st, 2023, and authorize the mayor and city clerk to execute the extension on behalf of the city of Midland, subject to the final review and approval by the city attorney. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Second. Okay, first and second. Any discussion on this? Well, they've basically proven themselves. Yeah over time so um, I don't have any qualms about the five-year term um, I think it's probably a good thing that we're doing the profit sharing <laughs> portion with it because basically both sides benefit if they do well so it's worked well nothing's broken so there's nothing to fix I think we know a good thing when we see it mm -hmm. for sure <laughs> all right are we ready to vote Okay, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? All right. That passes 5-0. Again, our thanks for being here. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Okay. All right, now that takes us back to public comment. This is an opportunity for people to make comment on issues relevant to council business, but not on the agenda. Is there any public comment this evening? Okay, and seeing none, we'll move on to um, item number five, which has to do with Hawk's Nest, and Mr. Kane is here to tell us about that. Good evening. Um, tonight, I have tentative preliminary plat for Hawk's Nest number two. This is a proposed 25-lot single-family residential development located at 5600 Falcon Way. The applicant tonight is MLR Engineering on behalf of Hawksview LLC. Um, the property is located in the city's RA1 single family residential zoning district. Tentative preliminary plat is part of a two step preliminary plat review process. Um, this first step is a review of the salient features of a proposed subdivision, but doesn't include detailed engineering um, specifications or a review or approval from other outside authorities. That is something that occurs in the next step of the process, which is final preliminary plat approval, which is the step that includes those more detailed engineering drawings and those outside reviews. Subject property is located just west of the existing Hawks Nest One development. This is generally south and west of the intersection of Dublin Avenue and North Saginaw Road in the northwest part of the city. Zooming in a little bit further, you'll see that the development connects, uh, will, is proposed to connect to two existing stub streets that are located within Hawks Nest One, um, those being Falcon Way and Redtail Lane. As I noted, the subject property is located in the RA1 zoning district. That is the same zoning as properties to the east and west. Properties to the north and to the northwest are located in Homer Township. Properties to the south and southeast and southwest are located within the city of Midland. Those properties are located in the city's RE2 single family residential zoning district. The proposed tentative preliminary plat tonight is located in the area um, in white. So I've kind of grayed out um, some of the areas that are not included in tonight's tentative proposed plat. Um, the area on top is the existing Hawks Nest One. And so you'll see the two stub streets that are connecting into a new street network for this proposed 25 lot extension of Hawks Nest. To the south, you'll see some preliminary, so this would be, I guess, tentative, tentative preliminary plat drawings for a future phase of Hawks Nest, which would include extension of the two proposed substreets located in tonight's Hawks Nest 2. 
For action tonight on a tentative preliminary plat, there are several criteria that are reviewed by staff as part of a consideration of uh, recommendation on the proposal. Uh, those are listed on the screen. Staff has reviewed the tentative preliminary plat against those criteria, and in terms of our review, we find the following. The stormwater detention system will need to be designed and constructed in accordance with city specifications. We will need a subdivision contract for detention, access, and maintenance uh, between the developer and the city. We will need to see backyard drainage shown on the plat. All water and sanitary sewer utilities will need to be designed and constructed in accordance with city standards. We'll also need to know the location, access, and flow of any proposed fire hydrants and water services to ensure that they are in accordance with city specifications. We'll need appropriate turnarounds on Redtail Lane and Barnell Drive if any lots take driveway access from those streets. And we'll need soil erosion and sedimentation control permits from the city, as well as a notice of coverage permit from Eagle. I will note these are items that are appropriately addressed during final preliminary plat review um, rather than tentative preliminary plat review and approval. We have shared these comments with the applicant, so at the time of final preliminary plat approval, they can be addressed with that submittal. Given that, staff's recommendation is approval of the tentative preliminary plat for Hawks Nest 2 without any contingencies. We have received nine public comments during the public hearing at the Planning Commission, which were in opposition to the proposed plat. Subsequently, we've also received two written comments in opposition to the proposed plat, which were provided to council earlier today. So with that, we are at the second and last step in the tentative preliminary plat process, which is city council consideration. And I'd welcome any questions from city council. All right. Are there any questions for Mr. Kane? I guess maybe the first question is, uh, the way this works is this is gonna be our one and only opportunity as city council to comment on this plat extension. All the other factors that you listed up here won't, won't necessarily come to us. I believe final preliminary plat does come back before council. Final plat does not, but final preliminary plat would come back. Okay, so you will come back on some of these other questions involving, because obviously the, the question here that, that I'm going to ask you, and I know this concern of some, <coughs> some folks, has to deal with, with uh, drainage, um, you know, what's happening with the existing storm sewers there. And apparently, you know, this is an area that's, that's undergone a lot of new construction and and that's understandably caused, you know, silting to get into the storm sewers and that can cause problems. Um, you know, so the direction of, of stormwater drainage, uh, same thing with uh, sanitary sewers. Uh, certainly the area north of here has been a subject of a lot of concern as far as sanitary sewage, uh, sewer drainage. I, I think maybe just to ask you this question generally, um, my guess is that this is not going to be the sanitary sewer lines are not going to go north of Saginaw Road. They're going to be going, they'll continue to follow south of Saginaw Road, probably down towards the Valley Pump Station? That's correct. Okay. Um, one of the other questions that's been brought up by some of the neighbors um, has to do with traffic flow. Um, and, you know, there is, a, there is an intersection with no stop sign right now, and that was probably fine when you had, you know, much fewer homes. Uh, even recently, you've got a lot more homes being built in there, and this 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 construction traffic is going to really uh, amp that up. I know it's a separate part, but can we wrap in uh, considering a a stop sign on about what's it Falcon and Red Hawk? I think is the intersection. Would you would you put that map we, yeah. back up there? That just so please. That one. It's Falcon and Hawk's Nest. 
I will say, uh, in respect to your question, we did receive public comment to that effect during the Planning Commission public hearing, and staff has already made a referral to engineering to address signage within Hawks Nest 1. Mm -hmm. And so I believe we should see action on that as appropriate in the near future. Okay. Because uh, obviously there's you know, quite a bit of confusion at what to do with that intersection without a stop sign at this point. Um, let's see, some other things that were... You know, in terms of just the, the impact of the construction on the existing infrastructure in this neighborhood, does the contractor have any responsibility as far as damage to roads or, you know, actually flushing out the storm sewers uh, as a result of additional construction here? Typically, um, infiltration of the storm sewers is going to be something addressed for our soil erosion and sedimentation control permitting. Um, there's a variety of ways that you can address that, whether it's still fencing on a construction site or you can put the um, sediment bags over grates to prevent um, sediment from entering into the storm sewer. We do typically also obtain bonding for construction to ensure any damage that occurs as a result of contractor activity is able to be addressed by the contractor um, post-construction rather than being borne by the, the taxpayer. Yeah, I think, yeah, I understand that, you know, they're putting the, the netting and so forth, but the bottom line is if, if, if you've got a lot of silt going into the storm sewers, what do you do about it? Because uh, it's clearly going to be from, you know, the construction activity. Would bonding be something that would cover that uh, impact? Probably slightly above my pay grade. I would, yeah. <laughs> I would, I would, but I guess I would back up okay. and, and just state the, the soil erosion and sedimentation permit process is intended to mitigate and prevent those issues. Not to say that that's a perfect solution, but that is intended to be a holistic solution to um, soil erosion concerns, um, both onto other private properties um, as well as into the public systems. Mm -hmm. and, and generally speaking, that that those approaches do work pretty well when implemented correctly. Our building department does enforce those rules and is attentive to those concerns as they arise from private development across the city. Yeah, I'll just read something. I don't know if the other council got this or not. I got it from one of the residents, John Goddard. He says, heavy rains have resulted in stormwater being ejected up from the catch basins and backing up in the street. A sandy slurry is left on the street, which turns to dust when it dries. The water is flowing uh, into the storm sewer. However, the capacity has been diminished by the amount of sand that entered during the home construction um, so obviously that's you know way it stands now before you expand it even further so there, there is a concern that maybe even despite what you take as standard uh, mitigation measures it's not quite working um, and so my my question is if we're going to talk about doing this expansion and I don't know if this is the right stage that's why I asked you the question earlier um, it seems to me that this is something that needs to be addressed in this particular neighborhood Yeah, so. so the short version, I'll jump in if you don't mind. Yeah. So the short version, this isn't really where we would address that, but that being said, that's something that our wastewater department would look at, both the sanitary and storm sewers, if there are blockages or sand piles. You, you heard some of that when we were doing the red zone work, for instance, yeah. where some of that was experienced. We would go in, um, and when a blockage <coughs> or a partial blockage was identified, then we would flush those out um, and open them back up. Okay. And your earlier question in terms of can the bonding cover that, if we could directly attribute it to the work that was going on, then yes, those would be costs that we would go back um, okay. to achieve. Okay. So I think the key piece here is that that needs to be noted, that we've had right. this discussion about that, yeah. and we need to pay very close attention to that. Mm -hmm. okay. I guess there was one other, well, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, but it also <laughs> sounds like they need 
a way if they're having issues to bring it up before another development, like <laughs> to have it resolved versus, you know, wanting to stop a development because of issues they're having. They need a way to express their concerns and get them resolved. And then the only other part is there was a comment about two of the lots being in a wetlands. So and I wasn't clear on how that's being addressed. If you look on the map, the uh, far, this would be the northwest corners of lots 12 and 13. You'll see that there is an existing wetland area noted. Um, that wetland area is substantially outside the building envelope on the lot, and the lot remains buildable in spite of the presence of the wetland. Okay. Um, the presence of that wetland doesn't preclude the creation of a lot in that location, um, but we do look to make sure that the lot that's created is in fact going to be buildable in spite of the wetland's okay. presence. Now, I guess if, if I'm, I, I'm pretty sure my orientation is correct, the rail trail runs right basically on that yeah. left border there. It, it runs on a northwest trajectory, so it's getting further away from the development as you move to the north and west. So it is generally to the north, but it's not immediately to the north of that, those lots. Okay, thank you. So my, related to that, you know, how does that get communicated? You know, oftentimes we hear things after the fact, well, no one told me, I didn't think I was going to have anything built in my backyard, you know, those kinds of questions. How does that lot information get communicated to a potential buyer? I mean, do they know that their corner of it is a wetland? Is that, is that in the deed restriction? How, how does that work? So uh, typically, I, I don't believe you would find that in a deed restriction. You could find that plats are public record. So um, it's not uncommon for folks to uh, obtain their permit on, or their plat rather online mm -hmm. um, to learn information about uh, what rights and uh, obligations they have as a lot owner. Um, the same with deed restrictions which are typically recorded with the county against the deed. Um, you know, frankly, I'm, again, that level of detailed research on property uh, ability is not often done for residential sales. Um, we see that more typically with commercial loans and commercial sales where people are more attuned to planning and zoning issues. Um, so long story short i think where we would probably find that this would come up would be at the time of building permit application mm -hmm. for the home um, certainly our staff would note the presence of the wetland to okay. the applicant that might be the contractor that might be the homeowner that might be both well i do believe people have responsibility and that some of the responsibility it's their work it's not instead of saying you know nobody told me but you know when we know something ahead of time i think it's important that it gets communicated appropriately yeah Unfortunately, in most cases, we don't know who to communicate with until the property's sure. already been purchased. So certainly we do communicate things to owners, but usually by the time we're having those conversations, the purchase has already taken place. Okay. I, I think I did, I did watch the uh, planning commission meeting, and one of the things I heard too was a, a real concern, a legitimate concern from my perspective around safety. And what would happen if there is an issue, you know, a fire, what if a tree is over there, over, what if there's an accident? We have one way of exiting that area during construction. So how do, what would, can we do there to uh, change that? So it's a great question. So I would say, generally speaking, we, uh, from a planning perspective, prefer to see multiple entrances and exits to developments for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. safety being one of them. Um, we did look at, at that access uh, in consideration of this tentative preliminary plan at a staff level. And what it really came down to is both um, public services and fire services were very happy to see the streets looped. Unlike the current system we have there today where essentially we have to use temporary T turnarounds 
to provide service to several of the home, homes on Red Tail Lane today uh, because there's no um, permanent turnaround. Okay, what does that mean, the streets looped? So, so through the creation of this uh, plat, we essentially, where as today we have a stub here and then a stub here, mm -hmm. we would create an opportunity to completely loop the development. And, and we have a reduction to basically one lot, possibly two that have access from a stub street, as opposed to right now, essentially all of these homes are taking access from a stub street. Really essentially the entire development is taking access from a stub street since it's ending in, in two stubs. And so overall they were, they were happy to see that loop created because it does facilitate easier trash collection easier street plowing and easier access by emergency personnel because they can maneuver their vehicles on a paved access road. The project does, the property owners and the proprietors here do have property that is contiguous with Countryside Drive that can facilitate future access. They are working with Eagle um, to finalize some wetland mitigation and delineation issues on the remainder of the site, uh, which is really what's precluding them from additional plotting work is getting those final determinations. Um, they have indicated, and I, I do believe staff would require that connection at Countryside as a contingency of any additional platting in this area to ensure that we don't have more lots created against that single entrance point. Um, as it stands today, there is um, at least vehicle access possibilities there. I've personally had a very extensive tour of the site by the proprietor in a vehicle um, where we did enter from Hawks Nest One and Traverse all the way through to Countryside Drive and back. And we may have even done that a third time. We were, it was a long tour. Okay. Um, very you may thorough. have lost me a little bit. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Because I you're very. <laughs> so if we, if we step back a bit, uh, the proprietor owns the lot, this larger lot here mm -hmm. of which the subject plot is a part. The, the proprietor also owns this lot here which extends to Countryside Drive, which is just off the map to the south. And, and so there is horizontal. So there right. will be an opportunity with future phases to provide connectivity to the south, to provide two access points for the development. We may also have opportunities in the future as lands further to the north and west develop um, for additional opportunities for connection. And we would certainly seek those if they're practical. Um, but at this point, because some of those wetland issues haven't been resolved fully, um, the applicant's not pursuing additional platting. They've um, significantly dialed back um, their proposal for platting. They've, they've previously submitted tentative plenary plat for a larger expanse of the land. And because those wetland delineation, delineation issues haven't been resolved, and because, frankly, Hawks Nest One has been very successful and it's fully built out, they're looking for an interim solution to create some buildable lots in the neighborhood. Uh, while also giving them time to further resolve those wetland issues. So they can't so, build the road yet. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's still but during construction will be one way in, one way out. It will. It's about four tenths of a mile from the edge of this tentative proposed plot to Countryside Drive by the most direct route. And so that's another consideration here is we'd be talking about almost a half mile of temporary road in order to provide that secondary access for these 25 lots. So are people going to be able to move in there before that road is done? Yes. Okay. Based on this plat, if approved and constructed, no further platting would be required. Certainly this land might never be platted, but I do anticipate if we had a future proposal for additional platting, we would be looking for that connection to be made at that time. How many years could that take? 
it could take in uh, a lifetime. It could. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but fr frankly, this is very similar to how most Midland neighborhoods have developed over time. Most of our neighborhoods weren't platted in one big one mile square. They're platted in pieces over time, and we just do the best we can to ensure that they're planned appropriately for a variety of considerations, including access. Okay. I don't know that I like that answer, frankly. But, okay. All right, any other questions for Mr. Kane? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, any comments from the public? If there are, I need you to come up. There's a blue mat. You want to stand on the blue mat, address council, state your name and, and state your name and address, please. Thank you. I was at the planning committee too. Um, and, I, and I have concerns. I I'm Ruth Pierce and I live at 5520 Redtail Lane, which is the very last unit before we go into that from Red Tail Lane into the development. And we've lived there five years and we've been fighting construction traffic all the while Hawks Nest One in Fame has been under development. And I'm really concerned about that one access. And particularly once the construction starts. I have no problem with the plot plan and anything else, but um, the access in and out, and I'm, since they own the other property, if they could just construct a temporary road for the construction vehicles so that we don't have it all going around. And I mean, a lot of times things turn in our driveway and whatever else we, we have had an issue with construction uh, traffic and crews in the past. So. That's my main concern. I'm hoping that yeah. something can be done there. Thank you. Okay, any other comments? Hi, my name is Judy Timmons and I live at 5511 Red Tail Lane. So back when I was looking at this property um, as a potential plot for me to build a house, uh, I asked the question um, because I found this wonderful lot backing up to some woods and went, okay, I could build here. This is a nice enough area. So I asked at the time I, I was purchasing land, uh, what was the future development behind, directly behind my house? I was told that there would be development to the left of me at the end of Red Tail Lane and at the end of Falcon, but not directly behind my house. <laughs> so unfortunately, when I got the, uh, the map and saw the houses that the preliminary plat here, I'm going, oh my gosh, <laughs> my, my tranquil little forest here is gonna be gone. Um, and I realized I can't stop, I don't own the land, so I, I realized I don't have a whole lot of recourse there I do feel like I was duped uh, into believing that there was not going to be anything. Also the fact that there was, as I walked beyond my property back into that woods area, I saw a pond, thinking it was a somewhat of a retention pond. Um, I thought, okay, once again, 
that assured me that no, they're not going to build back behind me because they can't. They can't build within 300 feet. I mean, I did some research making sure that I didn't have this issue. So again, I have similar issues with the disappointment of that <laughs> now being going into be, behind my house, but also the, the concern of we've been putting up with all this construction, you know, for the five years, whatever, myself, it's only been three years, but just, yeah, the trucks and the noise and the dust and the debris and whatnot that blows from construction sites and the fact that they all have to come through. What we now have is a nice, well-developed, completely developed neighborhood that hopefully would have been nice and peaceful and quiet, and now we've got all this construction that can only come in on Dublin Road into our and drive through our nice, peaceful neighborhood to get to this, this section behind my house. Um, so I would strongly encourage, knowing I'm not going to win the fight that I, I, to stop that development, but to have access coming from the other side, from countryside, so that we don't have to put up with all of that, all those vehicles parked on our streets and having to maneuver in and around them. Um, so at any rate, that's just my comments, and I thank you for the opportunity. Good. Thank you. Any other comments from the public? Good evening. My name is Teresa Vincent Dopp, and I was here before any of these people. <laughs> I've been there for many, many years. This is going back before that subdivision even started. I've been here talking to you about how I was concerned with all these problems in the beginning, but these people moved in and knew that was going to happen. But my problem is now it's getting worse with the water situation. We have water pressure was fabulous before any of these houses started. And since they've been going on and on, the more that gets developed to the south, well, actually, I'm to the south of uh, Hawk's Nest, but to the north of me and to the south of me, I'm right in the middle of this. If you put up a map, I could show you. But um, it's taken a drain on the water there. I don't know if there's enough water in this town to keep going to the north of me. There's water in Sanford coming from our, I don't know where all the water comes from that goes to all these different townships. There's Lincoln, there's... Um, Homer, there's uh, all the different ones. Even I think, I think the one out by the mall is doing it too now. Larkin, aren't they getting water out that way? They're carrying it further. But we're having a big problem with water pressure. And when they start watering their lawns in the summertime, let me tell you, it takes a drain. On our, we had just a trickle coming out the other day, and I said, I don't have the wash machine going or anything. What's going on here? And it never was like that before, and it makes me so mad because my father was on the Homer Township Board to get water for this area. For 30 years, we fought to get water, and we couldn't, I mean, he didn't even see it. He died before the water came along. So um, that, and he, he did address the drainage. Mr. Anowski addressed the drainage. I did have trouble with that. There is one little small wetland spot, I believe these, uh, the pierces here, back up to my property, they have a little wetlands, but I noticed how they've raised the level of all these properties so high it drains down into that little wetland area and start coming towards mine. So, and that's, I told them about that in the beginning, but I guess that's something that, I don't know what I can do because everything's happening that's in the, the traffic is terrible on the road anymore. 
Yeah, and I complained about that in the beginning because I knew there was going to be traffic, but I didn't even dream it was going to be that bad. It's there's two big subdivisions out there now, and there's just traffic. The buses, these buses have tripled. When I was a kid, we rode the bus in that area, and it's just like one little bus going around the whole neighborhood. <laughs> now we've got, oh my gosh, I must have counted one day 13 buses, and they'll have one or two kids on each bus. Why? It's kind of a waste, but that's something that they're going to have to address at the schools. But between the drainage and the, the water situation and the traffic, those are the things that I'm worried about. But I'm really concerned about water. Mine is... The biggest thing is, and, and the roads too, if they haul everybody out to countryside, we're going to have another issue there because I know you put Sugnet through, but I think they should be made to go towards Saginaw Road. That's the only safe route to get those people out of there because I've seen it in the flood situation. There is a lot of, a lot of people in one little area. I, don't, I didn't think there was supposed to be that many, but I thought there were supposed to be 25 homes on the first plat, Hawks Nest one, but... I know there's more than that in there, so, uh, but there's some issues they're going to have to, a lot of things that they have to address before this goes through, but the first one went through, so, <laughs> and I still have a lot of issues out there with that, not to mention anything that I went through with all these people, damage and destruction that I had done to my property, and the countless numbers of dollars I had to pay an attorney to take those people to court. I mean, Tim Lyons was the person I had to take to court because he's the original owner. But when they hook up with other people, like investors, what do you, what are you going to do? Ms. Duff, can I ask you a couple yeah, questions? Yeah, sure. Your property does not butt up against the new proposed property, does it? Not to the back. I do touch the last person. I know you were concerned yeah. about okay, trees. Yeah. Is, is that a concern again here? Well, it's a concern. These guys can overstep lines like nothing. I mean, when they ran over top of survey stakes, they ran over top of survey stakes to get to my land and took out 450 trees. Right, but, is, but, but does your property, is that, is that a potential not fear? Not to the north. No, I'm okay. over to the, yeah, I'm, excuse me, not to the west. I'm over to the south yeah. of, yeah. And then just another, maybe this is... <laughs> An obvious question, but you are on your house is on city water. You're not on a well. No, we're on city water. It's all city water. That's and it's confusing because I did live. I had a house on Ashman for 30 years, and what I worked out here, I was out there 12 hours a day in Dublin. So it was is different. It's just not Ashman. We had a lot of a lot of pressure, and then I moved out here, which I've been there anyway, but. The pressure is going down and down every time they put in another house. I noticed there's three or four new houses they just put in on Plum, I think it's Plum Tree Lane. Yeah. And every time they put a new one in, the pressure goes down more. But the worst thing is, is in the summer. That's when you see it the most. It's when they're watering the lawns. Everybody has to have an underground sprinkler system in these places. And we used to just use our sump pumps coming out on the lawn. You know, man, that works good, but I don't... I don't know why they don't try something like that. Something, we're getting into this new green. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're trying to save the planet, but it's, there's a lot of obvious ways to do it with these new subdivisions, and I wish they would use different methods or something because it's. I'm just worried about the water situation. That's why I had to move to Ashman in the first place is to get water. My dad said, you're, you're going somewhere where they got lots of water. <laughs> Young girls like to take a shower, you know, <laughs> but that was the biggest concern in the first place is the water. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, thank you so yeah. much. Okay. 
Hi, I'm uh, Ben Rubicki with MLR Engineering tonight on behalf of Hawksview. Um, <clears throat> uh, first, just want to say that Mr. Kane did a great job presenting the development, um, and I'd be happy to answer any more questions that the council has um, in terms of engineering questions or anything in, um, in that matter. So can you build a temporary road so the construction crew can go a different way versus? <clears throat> Down to countryside, mm -hmm. you're referring to? Um, so or any other route. Or that route that lady was talking about. Saginaw was, Road? Yeah. yeah. Right, so the main issue with that is to Saginaw Road, we don't own that property, and down to countryside is all the wetlands in that area. Getting all that permitted with Eagle could be an issue with construction and um, um, just to get that road all the way down there is a long ways for temporary access. So, um, Even as a dirt road? Well, the, the road would have to be graveled to be able to handle the capacity of all the uh, equipment getting back there. So um, it'll have to be a temporary road built like the turnarounds that are there existing right now. So, And in, in response to some of the previous comments, um, as far as utility um, design, uh, all, of the, all the utilities in the subdivision will be designed to the city standards and we'll have all the approvals um, to do that and we'll certainly take um, some of their comments into our consideration when we're designing um, utilities in the subdivision. So, any other? So, to answer the question, are you pursuing with Eagle to try to get a temporary road, or you're not even? Um, that would be a question right more for the developer. Um, as far as where we're at in that process, um, but as of right now, the plan is to utilize the existing subdivision. Thank you. Okay. Good evening. Uh, Dave Shaman, one of the three developers of Hawksview. Um, just to answer quickly on your last question, we, we are uh, proceeding with that, but it could take a considerable amount of time. Uh, it's, it's not quick and it is a long distance to get that drive from the proposed development to countryside uh, So we don't know if that's a two-year process a three-year process um, So but it is something we are considering the one question I would ask is if we didn't own the rest of that ground Say we only own the 10 acres that we are proposing to develop and we simply were connecting those roads Is that doable? Is there too many footage? Is there too much footage of road there? Is there too many lots there to have one entrance? So, and, and I don't know that answer, um, but, I'm, but I guess I'm asking that. Um, so we keep talking about coming in a different way or starting there and working to the middle. I just, this is what we can do right now. We're, we're trying to get uh, some more lots available for the builder. Um, uh, I just I take pride in what we do um, when we were here at the Planning Commission a couple weeks ago I, there was some comments said that um, I was I, it, just, it hurt to be honest because I I do take pride in what we do I didn't tell anybody in this room that there would never be a, a house behind their house I didn't tell anybody that I can simply tell certainly tell you my father didn't tell anybody that I don't know who did but I know we didn't the developer didn't say that to anybody um, so Again, when those kind of accusations are made or that I cut 450 trees down on somebody's property, I did not do that. I didn't give direction to do that, okay? Uh, our other partner, Mr. Lyons, who is up in the UP right now having hip surgery, couldn't be here tonight, 
he hired uh, the tree company to take the trees down. Okay, I didn't do that. Um, I can't. I, I, I can't even take blame for it. Um, I'm part of it, but I didn't control it. Is my point. So, um, stop signs. We, we don't say we need to put a stop sign at this intersection. I believe it's the road commission. And we do think a stop sign would be good at that T intersection. Uh, we would encourage it. But it just seems like it's against us. Like we're the ones who didn't want the stop sign or we didn't want the subdivision to be safe. And that's not the case. So is there any other questions I can try to answer while I'm up here? And just a comment on the lot sizes. I think one of the concerns was that the lot sizes on this extension are going to be smaller than the existing uh, homes, which aren't humongous lots to start with. So yeah. um, there, there, there is, I believe, four or five lots that are smaller, um, not the entire development, but there is some smaller lots. And one of the questions a week ago was, or wasn't really a question, it was just a statement that they're gonna build cheaper, smaller housing that's gonna hurt the values of our house. And I assured people after the meeting that we intend to use the exact same builder who built all the first homes in there. Uh, and they'll be very, very similar homes and your values of your homes will not be hurt. Okay. Anything else? No, we know where you're sitting. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments from the public? Yeah, John Elson, 6106 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. I mean, this uh, place doesn't really, I really don't know this area, what we're talking about. The only thing I can see is, you know, just more water going to Valley Pump Station that, you know, if the Valley Pump Station doesn't work, then uh, Moreland doesn't work and then we get more flooding for sewage, but the biggest thing I can see it just seems so obvious listen to all, to all the different points of view is that we're talking about development here again on the north and west side of town uh, Listening to the one lady talking about not having water. Well, that tells me We're way ahead of our infrastructure. We, we haven't really taken infrastructure into consideration again when she doesn't have enough water and if, if we're talking about wetlands also i mean i'm sure they're going to be doing the same way they do it in other places north and west of town they'll be filling it up with two or three foot of fill i don't know how much for sure but i'm sure it'll be higher which will make water flow into some other area and i'm just concerned that i mean I, maybe this isn't the right place to talk about because this is not a final plan but i'm just thinking ahead that here we're talking about developing again well we don't even know all the ramifications and who is going to pay for the extra water lines or the extra water who's going to pay all the citizens of Midland or should the developer actually be paying for you know increased and in, uh, for the infrastructure that they're going to need to be put in place to develop their property and I think that's a good question because developers should be paying and I think we should also wait till we talked about ordinances changing city ordinances I think we should get together and get those ordinances done so we can actually make sure we have something for the future, not keep relying on stuff that was created back in the 50s and 60s. We need to start thinking about today's, what's going on now. So um, I gave some uh, glug, that's a, that's, a, that's a Norwegian thing, or Swedish. <laughs> and, uh, um, and we also say, we used to just uh, say good Yule. Okay, and so 
So hot it. Yeah. Good deal. Thanks, John. Yeah. You're welcome. Okay, any other public comment? All right, seeing none then, will you please read the resolution? This resolution will approve a tentative preliminary plat of Hawks Nest 2, a single family residential subdivision of 25 lots on 9.5 acres at 5600 Falcon Way. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? No. Okay, I'll second that. All right then, discussion. I'm comfortable with the, the loop being completed. I mean, there's that concern about a secondary access. He is trying to pursue. And again, this is the tentative. It's not the final, so. But if development occurred, well, okay, so that won't happen until the final plat review. I, I'm not sure I understood exactly what, what you're asking won't be reviewed. So I agree there needs to be secondary access there. Mm -hmm. But if we can't get a commitment or agreement, I mean, I know they're working with Eagle, but you know, they get past the final plat and then you have all these houses developed and everybody's in and out of one street. That's not good. Okay. Yeah, I agree that that isn't good, but we don't have an ordinance that says they have to have that either. I mean, we don't have anything that says that. So, you know, we, we have our own guidelines that we have to follow. With that said, it's very uncomfortable. Just need to, mm -hmm. to say that. Now, it relates to the water issue. Do you want to just comment on development and infrastructure? And because I have this concern about this water pressure thing. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, we didn't hear any complaints about water pressure for anyone else. I mean, that could be a problem in someone's house. Who knows what? Mm -hmm. is the water pressure but we don't build things unless we have the appropriate infrastructure in place to support that right just to answer that in part that's the first i've heard of it as well our water department is specifically responsible for the water distribution system um, including the supply of water through that system um, as jacob mr kane indicated as he was going through you don't have the engineering uh, proposals in front of you tonight this is uh, essentially if you will a concept plan and in terms of are you okay with this general design the engineering will come at the next stage and at that point in time specific engineering plans will need to be submitted and if there are concerns about whether it be water supply or water pressure or any other issue relative to the water supply system that would be reviewed at that point by the water department so at this point we don't have a definitive for you because there's not been sufficient information submitted they're not required to but that would take place at the next step Brad, could we have, I mean, the water department perform a check of the meter? Because I, I, I was surprised about that, too. I, my understanding is we, we have problems, but most of the problems are on the back end, not on the front end. We have enough water, fresh water, you know, goes serving the houses now. Maybe the lines need to be updated from time to time because they do break. But nonetheless, if there is an issue with respect to the line going to uh, Ms. Dobbs' house or Dobbs' house or or maybe her meter's not working properly or something, because the water department can check that for her, can't they? They, they can work with her to, to see if there's a solution that's a city issue or, or even if, if there's it is, the, in fact, a the private pressure. line issue. Yeah, if, there's, if they're getting the pressure. So that, right. that can be addressed probably separately. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Mrs. Dopp could certainly um, reach out at any time to our water department if there's a concern there, okay. and they would determine whether or not there was a system issue, which would right. be a city concern, or if it's an individual line issue, which would be hers, and she would be able to resolve that too. Okay. 
I think the other, the other things is, is I, I would love to get into a lot of the other infrastructure aspects of this, but it also, and Mr. Elson's point, you know, we talked about updating ordinances and, and, and making sure that our standards maybe it could be a little more stringent before we develop additional properties. Uh, but as of we stand, that the frustration is, as we sit here today, we're stuck with the rules that we have today. And, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough, you know, getting, encouraging staff to, to make those proposed changes so that when we do development, it, it doesn't impact the system as much as, as maybe past development has. Um, you know, uh, there is, there is a wet, there's a big pond back there too. I mean, there is, there is wetlands beyond what's, what's right here. And, um, you know, we're paving over things. And anytime you do that, you're, you're taking away the ability of the land to absorb water, which means it's now running off. So, um, development isn't great in this area. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it is a wet area, but if it's not a, it's not in the floodplain and it's not in a wetlands, you know, we're kind of stuck with what we, with the rules we have, unfortunately. Um, but if we can, if we can somehow, and, and it's nice to have Mr. Shaman here because maybe he can help. I know there's a lot of contractors anytime you build going in and out, but this is a, this is a neighborhood with little kids, uh, a lot of little kids. It's a new neighborhood. You have new families move in. Anytime you have that, you have young kids. And um, so caution is, is going to be really important here. I mean, a stop sign will help some, but, you know, it's, it's not just your guys, but other contractors and so forth. And so uh, somehow delivering that message to everybody who, who give, comes in and out of the site is going to be extremely important so we don't have any sort of unfortunate uh, incident and, you know, try and minimize the impact on the existing homeowners. I mean, anytime it's, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, my biggest concern is really that one in and out. Mm -hmm. um, and, but there is one in and out, so we all know that. And um, again, you know, I guess maybe I was hoping for a miracle, maybe, <laughs> here. Um, but I think again, yes, we do have to address we have to address these kinds of things in our ordinances, and we need to you know move work to move forward with that. Um, you you know you guys have a great reputation. You do have a good reputation as far as being a builder, and so we're really hoping that you'll live up to it. And maybe up the ante here a little bit, and just really as uh, Steve said, you know, be thoughtful. And I know the people are disturbed by the fact that there's going to be a lot of traffic again. If you could think about minimizing that, or you know, be, I don't know. Do the, will you just do the best you can, please? And it would be nice for them to come back and say, yeah, it wasn't really the best thing for us, but you know what? They were awesome. That would be great. Okay. Are we ready to vote? All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. That passes 5-0. We have high expectations and Merry Christmas. Okay, that takes us now down to item number six. Mr. Kane. Good evening. So our next item tonight is uh, receipt of OHM advisors study of the conversion of Ashman Street and Rod Street to two-way traffic. So as background, the city engaged with OHM advisors in May of 2022 to conduct a capacity analysis of both Ashman and Rod Streets to determine traffic flow impact of a potential conversion from the current one-way uh, traffic flow to a two-way traffic flow scenario. 
Ashman and Rod Streets were converted to one-way traffic in the 1960s. At the time, this conversion took place to address peak traffic flow issues that were coming to and from Dow Michigan Operations Facility, um, which is still in its uh, 1960s location. However, the entrance and exit uh, factors from that facility have changed dramatically um, since the 1960s. In addition, these conversions were in line with standard roadway design practices of that era, which in large part didn't consider many of the contemporary roadway design factors that we take into consideration when designing roadways today. This two-way conversion concept arises from several earlier planning efforts. Um, those are listed on the screen. We have the downtown streetscape plan in 2016, the midtown design charrette, which took place in 2018, and the center city redevelopment plan, which was adopted in 2019. So we'll just run through those plans really briefly. The downtown streetscape plan was adopted by city council in 2016. It established a vision for the streets in downtown Midland. That vision has been partially realized through the completion of the main street streetscaping project, uh, which was finalized in 2019. Part of the downtown streetscaping plan, there were a series of recommendations for downtown streets. One of those recommendations was to um, consider the, or to implement a two-way conversion of both Ashman and Rod Streets from Indian Street South into downtown. At that time, as part of that analysis, there was uh, traffic modeling done to consider a variety of scenarios that were being considered as part of that downtown streetscaping plan. You'll recall some of those included the removal of traffic lights on Main Street um, and some other considerations with the traffic flow in the downtown area. Two-way conversion was identified because it would advance several district objectives, which included making downtown easier for visitors to access from Indian and Buttle Streets, improving safety by addressing current issues with wrong-way traffic on those streets, helping motorists more easily navigate downtown streets, supporting economic development by increasing business visibility and access, and increasing the visibility and use of the Larkin parking ramp, um, which, as most folks know, is currently accessible only by traveling north um, out of downtown on Rod Street rather than by any users that might be entering from Indian or Buttle Street into the downtown. The next plan uh, with which this idea arose was the Midtown Design Charette. This was a project that was not primarily focused on the future of Ashman or Rod Streets, but during that exercise, participants did express concerns with safety, speed, and access due to the current one-way road configuration. And then finally, the Center City Redevelopment Plan, which was adopted by City Council in 2019. This considered the two-way conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets as they might impact the future vision for the Center City Redevelopment Area. Um, essentially, that plan did not analyze two-way conversion as its own separate standalone item, but did look at the plans for the Saginaw Road Corridor, including Ashman Circle, to determine if two-way conversion would be favorable or unfavorable to those elements, and it found that there was viability the two-way conversion would not inhibit implementation of the vision for that corridor um, as established in the redevelopment plan. Finally, we also, as we all know, have a pending Michigan Department of Transportation project which would reconstruct Business Route US 10 as it runs from um, US 10 through the downtown connecting with M20 uh, and to the west on Jerome Street. As a result of that project, uh, MDOT has requested a decision from the city regarding Ashman and Rod Streets and their uh, potential conversion to two-way traffic so that they can complete their design work for four intersections that'll be impacted by that project. Those intersections are Ashman at Indian and Buttles and Rod at Indian and Buttles. 
So the study um, that was uh, requested includes the entirety of the one-way corridors. And so this is Ashman Street, um, basically from its southernmost extent at the Tittabawassee River, northward to Cambridge Street um, on East Ashman, just beyond Ashman Circle, and Broad Street from Cambridge Street to the north, southward to its current um, terminus as a one-way street, which is at Main Street. Uh, Rod Street south of Main Street is already a two-way traffic flow. I'm going to invite my colleague, Matt Lemon, our city engineer, up to walk you through the specifics of the study, and then I'll come back up to discuss staff's recommendation. Good evening. So I'll run you through um, some of our basically what what came out of the study um, as OHM was looking at what would happen if we were going to uh, make this conversion before I turn things back over to Jacob. Um, again, uh, we had them look at potential benefits and some costs of doing a two-way conversion. Basically, their study was very traffic-centric. Um, that's the, the standpoint they were looking at this from. Um, it focuses on the level of service for vehicular traffic along that corridor for the most part. And we did analyze uh, several different scenarios that we talked about um, back in the spring when we started this, and we will um, kind of go through what all of those are. Maybe. There we go. Okay. So the scenarios we analyzed or um, our consultant analyzed were the existing conditions, what's out there currently with the um, one-way traffic. They analyzed the two-way traffic conversion with a center left turn lane down the entire segment of, of the roadways. Um, also looked at the two-way traffic conversion um, with just one lane in each direction with that additional width being a potential multi-use path or, or other purposes. Um, and also looked at the conversion with kind of a combination of the two where we've got kind of some center left turn lanes at major intersections, but um, not throughout that entire corridor. And again, this study was really focused on the, the vehicular traffic level of service. And essentially what that means is how quickly do we move cars through there? Um, we Traffic engineering has some established criteria here. They're a little bit different for unsignalized intersections and signalized intersections, but basically we break up the, that level of service into uh, letter grade A through F. It's based on the average delay in seconds that just an average vehicle would experience on approaching that intersection uh, to move through the intersection. Um, there's a little bit of description here on what those levels of service look like. I uh, would, would caution you, it's a, though it uses the same letters, it works a little bit differently than the typical school grades. Um, typical practice is for unsignalized intersections, a level of service D is considered completely acceptable. Um, that's pretty much what we're shooting for, is that or better. On signalized intersections, it's typically a level of service E is considered acceptable uh, for more urban, urban areas like we're looking at along this corridor. 
So what do the results say? Uh, along Ashman, we were seeing comparable level of service results between what's currently out there and all of the evaluated alternatives, whether we're um, maintaining the existing one-way traffic or whether we're going to two-way um, with or without those left turn lanes. We do have um, a level of service D in one direction at the intersection of Ashman and Carpenter currently um, under what's out there now existing. Um, as we look at some of these alternatives, we can kind of look at retiming some of the existing signals out there, optimizing things a little bit. Uh, that changes things a, a little bit. Um, there's typically not a, a huge difference there, um, but we can reduce the amount of delay at, at that particular approach to that intersection. It would still fall under the level of service D, but the vehicles would make it through there a little bit quicker under some of the alternatives. Um, we're kind of looking at the same thing at the Ashman and Saginaw intersection. Generally, we're, we're kind of on the border there between level of service C and D. Um, the, the different alternatives we look at kind of redistribute that a little bit. Uh, the, the numbers change a little bit, but those level of service categories really are, are for the most part the same. Along Rod Street, we have um, a, an even stronger indication that um, the existing conditions out there and all of the evaluated alternatives um, from a traffic standpoint and, and physically moving the vehicles through the corridor, everything is essentially very close to the same under all of those conditions. Um, everything is currently at level of service C. Um, Again, that that's, traffic is moving pretty quickly through there. We're not seeing a lot of delays. Um, we're not seeing anybody really stopped for multiple cycles to get through an intersection. And under each of these alternatives, we're, we're gonna be looking at the same thing, really. Well, this is a little bit more detailed of a breakdown. You can kind of see along the top. Those are the different alternatives we looked at and each different intersection that was analyzed as a part of this study. Um, the numbers you see within that chart are the change in delay in seconds versus the existing conditions. So anything that's green uh, under these different alternatives, traffic is moving quicker through those intersections. Anything that's red, um, traffic's moving a little bit slower. It's causing a little bit more delay, but again, Overall, uh, on how we're grading these intersections and our level of service, everything is well within acceptable levels under any of these scenarios. Now, that being said, we do have some other considerations that we need to take into account, whether um, we're looking at roadway capacity. You know, there's no issues. We can get the traffic through there in, in a good amount of time. Um, roadway speeds um, and a little bit further down, um, looking at safety as well. One-way streets are typically meant to move the greatest amount of traffic in the quickest time possible. Um, so if we do change or make this conversion to two-way streets, um, typically we're gonna see a, a reduction in roadway speeds there. Um, hopefully that 
increases safety a little bit um, because a little bit further down here, you can see access and safety. Um, one of the, the kind of trade-offs for that is as we've got two-way traffic, we've got more conflict points. Now, traffic will be moving a little bit slower, but we do have more potential areas of conflict. So it's kind of something to keep in mind safety-wise as, as we're making this consideration. Um, from a system navigation standpoint, we definitely would have more direct routes to more locations with two-way traffic. Uh, we also would have some more opportunity for increased non-motorized use and, and some different opportunities to kind of um, change things around there and not focus entirely on uh, moving vehicles through here as quickly as possible. Also have um, emergency and maintenance consideration here. If we go to two-way traffic, our emergency vehicles probably going to have to modify some of their routes, but they could be more direct to a lot of places. It could have um, some increased response time or some decreased response time to, to different locations. It's something to keep in mind as well. Um, Implementation, we've got some signage and pavement marking changes that would need to be put in place, but overall what we're looking at is not really any major changes to roadway width or the, or the footprint there. Um, it's, it's certainly not something that's not doable. Um, it would definitely provide us with some more flexibility. The study that we have is reporting about $3.7 million for the cost of this conversion. Um, however, that's just a number that was at the end of the study. There was no detailed breakdown provided by the consultant. Um, I think Jacob's going to go into some of the, those potential um, ways we can reduce that or, or things that we necessarily or don't necessarily have to do, uh, including potentially looking at um, signal warrants on the existing intersections. Some of them may not need to be signalized. Um, we could reduce costs um, quite a bit there. Uh, overall, we feel that there's, there are many opportunities to, to significantly reduce that $3.7 million um, cost of conversion. Obviously, that, that would be estimated a little bit more um, detailed as we kind of come up with a, a, a desired scenario, but we're, we're very confident that we can reduce that number significantly were we to go down this route. So with that, um, I'll turn it back over to Jacob for a little bit more here, and um, once we're finished, I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. So the resolution in your packet this evening would receive the capacity analysis review uh, from OHM advisors. It reaffirms uh, the conversion of Ashman Street from Indian Street to Ann Street and Rod Street from Indian Street to Main Street to two-way traffic, which is consistent with City Council's action in 2016 with the adoption of the downtown streetscape plan. And it also authorizes staff to solicit proposals for contract services to complete the corridor study and provide design recommendations for the conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets north of Indian Street and south of Cambridge Street to two-way traffic. And so this would be um, a completion of the scope as originally conceived for the project 
Now that we do have traffic flow data that confirms that the project is viable from a traffic flow perspective, if you'll recall from May of this year, when we initiated contract with OHM advisors, we were unsuccessful in receiving bids, and so we went through a sole proprietor selection process. We would like to open that up as a competitive process as we would move into this next phase, which would include more advanced design considerations, as well as that public engagement piece. Basis for this recommendation, so we have prior studies um, and the current OHM study, as well as significant community engagement that demonstrate the feasibility, desirability, and support for conversion south of Indian and downtown Midland. Um, and we also have MDOT requiring your guidance uh, in order to continue their design work for Indian and Bottle Street. The current study also demonstrates that there's feasibility for conversion north of Indian. Um, and as was uh, noted earlier this year when we started this uh, current design process, additional review, including community engagement, uh, was desired, but we decided to postpone that pending the traffic flow results to make sure there was feasibility before conducting that additional research. And so decision north of Indian is fortunately not time sensitive at the moment. However, we will eventually need direction in order to facilitate phase two of the Saginaw Road Streetscape project, which will be from Dartmouth Drive to the north. To date, we've received four written comments on this, two in favor and two in opposition, and those were provided to council earlier today. So with that, uh, Mr. Lemon and I would welcome any questions. I believe we also have Ms. Harris representing the DDA and Center City Authority here as well. Okay. Any questions from council? I have one. Okay. So the $3.7 million is only for Indian South? No. The three point or is that for, okay. The $3.7 million number that's included in this study, and as uh, Mr. Lemon indicated, there's no cost breakdown whatsoever. All it says is that doesn't include any major reconstruction of the roadways, and that's conceived for the entirety of the conversion. So they were hired to study the entire conversion mm -hmm. from Cambridge South into downtown, and that number was their engineer's estimate of what that would cost. We've, we've looked at that internally. On its face, we think that's wrong for the entire project. There's several factors that we think would be at play to reduce that number. I think from my standpoint, the most important is that it doesn't consider the sunk costs that are gonna be involved in phase two of the Saginaw Road streetscape. That's gonna to touch on um, two intersections that are in this corridor directly at Rod and Saginaw and at Ashman and Saginaw. So there's gonna be some expense there no matter these, whether these are one or two way streets. Um, the other consideration is that MDOT project. And so we have four intersections, essentially six out of the 11 intersections are part of other program roadway projects. Um, we would also expect if there is any streetscape reconstruction work in the downtown, that would take place whether or not this was a one-way or two-way project, that would be a sunk cost as well. When you take those items out and you look at the corridor from Saginaw Road south to Indian Street, mm -hmm. we're really talking about um, just, uh, it'd be five signalized intersections. As Mr. Lemon indicated, the traffic flows for those intersections under the current situation, current conditions, as well as future um, potential circumstances under a two-way conversion scenario, um, would seem to indicate that those intersections may not require signalization under, um, any of these scenarios, and so we'd be able to analyze that in the next phase of this analysis. Signal upgrades would be a significant part of any uh, cost estimate for this conversion project, obviously the most cost intensive. 
Um, so there's potential savings, not just from a construction standpoint, from analyzing those signals, but also from a long-term operation standpoint. Because as you know, from the conversation you all had in 2016 around the downtown um, signal signalization on Main Street, uh, removing those signals does remove a long-term operational cost to the city as well. Okay. Any other questions? Yes. Um, Matt, back when you presented this in, on May 23rd, you talked about a phase one, phase two. When we authorized the OHM contract, it was for 44,000 plus 10%. I think it's $5,000. Is what we're presented with from OHM, the, what, is you, what you consider to be the complete phase one? Phase one, yes, that's correct. Um, we, you, you authorized the, the total contract of the, the 44, I believe it was thousand yep. dollars with with kind of the understanding that we would come back upon the completion of this phase one to see where we wanted to go from there so um, we have not spent nearly that amount of money at this point um, yeah, that we, was we have not question. done phase you two had mentioned yet. at the time that you didn't think this phase one would use up the 44,000 how much how far are are we into it I don't recall the exact number. I, I believe it's somewhere around twenty-three or to twenty-four thousand. Okay, about half. Yeah, somewhere like that. Okay, and you know, we we had this when it came up in May. It was first on consent. I pulled it off of consent, and we spent, uh, I mean, close to an hour after, after you know, during your presentation plus our discussion, going through this. And do you know whether OHM actually reviewed the May 23rd city council meeting? Because that was gonna be an important part of what they were, we even had Mr. Branson opining on, on what was included in the contract and would they be able to give us the kind of information that we need to make an intelligent uh, decision about changing this from one way to two way. And it starts with identifying the weaknesses of the current uh, setup. And as I looked at the report, that was not clearly laid out anywhere. And I pointed out to be, you know, you wanna have somebody like an OHM who can come in and, and provide objective data, right? Not that you think it's gonna be more walkable, people love each other more if it goes this way, but concrete information, right? Um, you know, what they did provide was I mean, I looked at A, B, C, D, E, but these are seconds. There is nothing up there that is compelling me to change what we have now just because of timing on turning. There's just nothing. That alone does not seem to be a reason to change. Um, so what else are we missing? But the other, the other part of it is, is now we're presented with, okay, we've got what I would call the traditional downtown, the Indian to the river, because nobody knows where Ann Street is, but right. Indian to the river. Um, and that's the decision we're being faced with today, the change. And I would like to see objective data on that. Um, I mean, I have, I could probably make an argument either way. You talk about changing it to two-way would avoid the occasional person going the wrong way on the one-way street. You change it to two-way, you're gonna get a lot of people because now we've got 60 years of, of ingrained history of driving those as one way, sure. going down the wrong lane. So for the next several years, we're gonna have the same problem. Uh, so I'm not sure from a safety perspective you're gaining anything. So 
and I know it was, it was mentioned before that the DDA, and I'm going to focus on this because this is one of the elements that we have to approve tonight, is the two-way. And that's probably the most important decision because it, it's more permanent. Um, so let's make sure we understand the objective data to support that change. I know DDA, Selena has come forward, said that, or at least represented that the DDA thinks that, but why? I'd like to hear why. It's not in... It's not in the OHM report, really, in terms of objective data. So that would help me make a decision about that piece of this puzzle. Then we've got a couple other pieces we need to talk about. Um, but most disappointing was the fact that the report that came back really didn't provide that objective analysis of what are the weaknesses of the current one-way structure. And I still stand where I did back then. I don't have an opinion on this. I'd like to be have make an informed opinion. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll address a, a couple of your points, and I'll maybe let Jacob or, or Selena um, chime in as well. Um, after our, our discussion back in April or May or, or whenever it was um, initially, um, I did have OHM actually reach out to me um, later that evening, actually, and um, by email at least, and, and we talked the following morning saying um, they had watched the, the council meeting, um, they were up to speed on all of the, the comments and the questions asked and everything. Um, so they, they certainly were on, on that same page as far as what was being asked um, at the time. Looking through this study, uh, it's, it's certainly very traffic oriented. Um, from what's identified there, just from a traffic operations standpoint, there's nothing that compels anything to, to make a change right. um, from, from just a moving traffic standpoint. Uh, the, I guess the reasons for consideration and, and to potentially make the changes um, are kind of more of the long-term planning side of things and, and what we want to do with that area rather than physically moving the traffic right now. Um, they, they didn't, to answer your question very briefly, they didn't identify any current weaknesses with the, the traffic operations that are there right now. And, and that's, you know, maybe that is the answer. Why spend millions of dollars and try and change, you know, a population's habits for fun? Okay, I think we can talk sure. about that when we, when yeah. we can talk about that. But no, I, I, but I think this. it goes back to, you know, the objective, and, that, and that's one of the things. I don't know why we combined these three things in one resolution. That's a little bit troubling to me, too. I would rather almost break these out separately, but. Um. My response to this was pretty much the same. Okay, wait, we're, but we're not. Well, it's, we're, 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 we're in the question time because we have to have comments from the public, okay. too. So, is there any other questions for Matt? Or any other responses from Selena or Okay, so then Mr. I'll Kane? ask a simple okay. question. So when I look at where we are today from a level of service, mm -hmm. if we implemented any of those options for 3.7 million or less, I did, you know, acknowledge you say you could probably do it for less. It's not improving anything from a level of service. It's from what I'm reading and looking at all these charts, it pretty much stays the same. Am I interpreting that correctly? Yes. Okay. For, from a time for a vehicle to, mm -hmm. to make it through there, um, any of the alternatives that were analyzed would not have any Improve significant any. change, positive or negative, uh, on the speed through the okay. corridor. 
Too late. I mean, any. I, I drive a truck and a trailer with six. I mean, that's going to slow me down big time. Yeah, there's. There, there wasn't anything specifically uh, broken out in the study. Um, looking at, at the kind of traffic and, and the synchro models that they developed, um, what they did was was basically um, count the existing traffic at all of these intersections and, and kind of grow that at, at a, a standard growth rate, but. As part of that data collection, we're looking at the types of vehicles on, on larger trucks and passenger vehicles and things, and carrying that same percentage of larger vehicles through. So as they're looking at different alternatives, it, it does include basically the same percentage of, of larger vehicle traffic that's out there right now. Okay. And then when it talks about slowing down traffic, well, right now it's 30 miles an hour. So are we thinking it's going to go down to 20, 25? We're, when it's talking about slowing traffic, we're, mm -hmm. we're not necessarily looking at speed limits. Mm -hmm. um, currently, the speed limit is what it is. When we go out and collect the data, the actual speed is um, generally significantly higher than that 40 um, so we're, we're hoping to get down closer to the posted speed limit mm -hmm. okay okay any other questions for mr lemon or any comments from either selena or the cane relative to mr anonsky's question sure this actually may be more in response to councilman brown wilhelm okay. but um, I would just note, generally speaking, for a consideration like a, a two-way conversion, you're using traffic flow data not to find benefit in, from a traffic flow perspective because the reasons you do a two-way conversion aren't generally because you're interested in increasing traffic flow. Mm -hmm. You're doing that to make sure that you're not creating a traffic flow issue by initiating a two-way conversion for all the other reasons why many communities around the state and around the country are doing the same thing that you're considering doing tonight, which is converting existing one-way traffic patterns that were established 1950s, 1960s to facilitate high volumes of peak hour traffic right. to employment centers um, that in a lot of cities no longer operate the way they did in the 1950s and 60s. Right. They haven't. COVID has done nothing but make that even a, a bigger trend because you have fewer people traveling to offices. Mm -hmm. You have fewer people working a traditional schedule. And there are obvious I think notable benefits to having two-way traffic patterns in a downtown. And I can only speak from my personal experience living in Midland for four months, working here for six months. I've seen several people traveling the wrong way on Ashman and Rod Street during my commuting back and forth to City Hall from my home. I use this route every day. And I can tell you, I, I still can't find my way around Center City. <laughs> okay. And I'm a city planner, and I'm uh -huh. your city planner. Uh -huh. And I still have to plug my route home from Kroger into Google Maps, and I go there once a week because I still get turned around. Uh -huh. And I know we're not suggesting that you take action on that tonight, but I would just suggest, we've, I've right. talked to other people about that being new to town, and I hear other people tell me that, that they avoid Center City because it's difficult to traverse that they have relatives come visit them from out of town and they get lost. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the times I came to Midland before moving here to visit friends in Midland. A few times I got routed down Ashman and Rod and I could never have found my way back there again 
if you'd have asked me where I was. Mm -hmm. And I, I think those are real city building considerations that yes, are hard to quantify, mm -hmm. but they're real considerations that have an impact on the viability and success of our community in the long run. And so I do think, while data is great, data can't answer every question. Mm -hmm. And there are factors at play here in the downtown and beyond where a two-way conversion makes a lot of sense. And I think intuitively folks understand that, that a one-way pattern has its benefits, but it has its major downsides as well. Mm -hmm. And I can't dispute because 1950s, 60s, 70s, we had um, Michigan operations there. That doesn't operate the way it has been. I can also say I've been downtown quite a bit when I've seen cars driving the wrong way and I'm, we'd be sitting there and just counting how many. So I know that's, that's accurate as well as, you know, the challenge. But my whole thing, and I won't go into it, 3.7 million. And are, is that coming from us, or are there grants or something that would help pay for that? Well, I would just say, number one, I don't think you should expect that the cost of conversion is going to come on in one swoop, mm -hmm. because some of this is going to be baked into other projects, including the city's share on the uh, Business Route 10 project, which okay. we're just now, not to speak for engineering, but I know we're working with MDOT to review estimates on the mm -hmm. city's contribution of costs okay. for that project. And so much of that is already baked in for the downtown project mm -hmm. to that um, component. Obviously, as phase two of the South, or the would be Saginaw Road streetscape, mostly South Saginaw Road, there'll be some consideration of potential costs on that project. And I, I would expect that we've had great um, support from local philanthropic organizations okay. for phase one of that project. And I would certainly hope that phase two is similar, um, but obviously there's no guarantees. I think the one thing that staff across the board in our experience working on projects, we were all very confident that the $3.7 million figure was grossly overstated. Okay. Can we separate a little bit? Okay, is this a, que is this a question? It is, because, because I want to make sure. Because we... I think every time you come up, we talk about things and, and I think let's focus on downtown. Because talk about roadway capacity downtown as it stands when you've got two <laughs> lanes on Ashman and Rod basically coming in and out. And talk about speed. Is speed a concern right now because it's one way? Um, you know, navigating, maybe that's a case, but as I pointed out earlier, I think you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem the way it is. You're going to have a problem if you change it from a safety standpoint. Um, so give me as much objective information as you can about downtown because that's a distinct decision and you're, you're talking about your own personal experience but stop at indian don't don't go up to the circle and all that other stuff right because that's something we have to get more information about um you know but and that was all, stability but and all that i, I think I, he added that in there because that was all part of the 3.7 and i asked well, about it okay What's the cost of the downtown, you know? What's the cost to convert down? What's, okay, let's start with what's the problems with downtown being one ways? Well, I mean, I, we tried to do the best we could to outline that in the letter uh, of Transmittal. That was outlined as well in the downtown streetscape plan, some of the reasons why. So, it, so I think what you're getting stuff. to It's nothing that's is, objective. I'm asking for is objective. Well, I mean, as objective as we can get, we know that there's not a traffic flow problem created through the conversion. Um, traffic flow is basically the same. Jacob, I'm going to interrupt you because the problem is you, you're talking to me like two ways a done deal 
this is why it's not good, it shouldn't be a problem. And that's, that's, that's completely backwards with what we should, you should be convincing me why we should change. So, one way is the base case. Yeah. But, you well, know, well, you haven't had public comment, and we're, like, know, we're, we're debating to, our piece right now, and I just... Uh, I'm trying to get him to give me information. Well, to, to, if, if I may, Madam Mayor, just interject just a moment. That doesn't exist. There, there, you have already, as council, said you're going to convert downtown. That was, the, that was the decision you took back in 2016, and that's why in uh, both Mr. Keene and Mr. Lemon's uh, presentation, there hasn't been a lot of information presented on that. They told you the reasons why, but the DVA, to, the plan to came forward. two ways? Yes, in 2016. And it's, we still haven't done it, and it's... Right. Well, because, all these, other, because all, these, all these other issues are taking place, but... That's the starting point. So it's not we're starting at one way in the downtown. You asked specifically but we're asking, in the downtown. But now that if that's the case, why are we voting on it as, a re as part of the resolution? You, the, because it's been since 2016, quite frankly. It, it's been a long enough period of time that um, the request from staff is to reconfirm or reaffirm, I think was the uh, wording that Jacob used, um, that that's the decision that's been made and then you're going to continue forward with it. If you choose not to, that, that's council's choice. But that's, that's the record at the moment on this matter. Okay, well, so I just, didn't just go back to try and find that resolution, uh, but I guess I was part of it at the time. But. Yeah, at that time you would have been, so you're right. Yeah. Um, well, then there's no need to vote on that. <laughs> well, technically you don't. You really don't. But, again, we wanted to be forthright and, and put it in front of you and let you know where it stood um, and make sure we're all on the same page still. So. That also relates to MDOT's question. So MDOT's oh. really asked us to reaffirm that. So that, ah, okay. that, that you know, leads us on the road that got us back to tonight. So any other questions from council for any of the staff? Right now. Okay. Thank you. All right, any public comment as it relates to this particular topic? If so, please come up, state your name and address, and we'll be happy to hear what you have to say. Hi, I'm Aaron Decrow. I've got a business on 711 Ashman Street and just had a few questions uh, regarding this. First one would be, um, I guess first, I'm glad we're doing this study because I think for us um, on the Ashman side, we may have a lot of benefits. Uh, but again, have some questions. Um, after this phase two, I was curious of what happens next. Um, you know, I know that there's funding for further study, um, but wasn't clear on the path forward after that point. Um, the other question I had was in addition to signage, having a business on that uh, through fair, uh, a lot of the investments for signage was done to capture the eyes of people coming down Ashman versus the other way and whether there would be any kind of adjustment to that signage uh, ordinance uh, based on that, that two-way traffic that would now be coming. Um, and then also was kind of curious of uh, more engagement with the public. I know that it was talked about a little bit from downtown perspective and there was um, some favorability. I personally hadn't heard a lot of other than this may be coming eventually. Uh, talking to various people up and down Ashman, um, they were unaware of this coming about today and, and really kind of had questions for us of what we knew and knew very little, so we wanted to make sure we were here. So I'm um, just trying to understand a little bit more from, um, you know, kind of what the paths forward would be. And, re and really going back to the, you know, I think the question that was stated before was, you know, kind of the why of this for the public. Um, you know, what, what problem are we solving and how is the public going to benefit from this? I haven't necessarily heard that come forward, and my concern would be, that there's going to be a lot of after-the-fact uh, questions or concerns from the public hearing of what's happening to them versus hearing how this is going to make their lives better, which I believe actually it could in a lot of ways. So, and I 
think that's it. Okay, great, thank you. It's my first time on this side. <laughs> Jamie Broderick, uh, 909 Holyrood Street. Um, we do have a business at 702 Ashman, which uh, Councilman Arnowski, I know you asked about downtown, and although 702 Ashman is not in the DDA, we are about a block and a half off of the DDA. And so my experience will be speaking from that location at 702 Ashman Street. Um, and I don't know that I personally feel strongly one way or another about whether or not it goes into a two-way or, or stays in a one-way. And like sitting here, I came here tonight to figure out more of the, the why and figuring out what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm asking myself, um, why not? And I think my only response to why not is because that's the way it's always been, right? But when I'm asking myself why, um, if you know my building, we've got two giant windows, and those are both conference rooms, okay? We have like one-way reflect reflective glass. You can't always see us in there, but when we're in there quite a bit. And I may only have like zero clients come through the door on one given day, but some days we might have five or ten outsiders coming in through our door. So on average, I'd say maybe two people per day coming in. And I would say out of those two on an average basis, I probably hear 25 to 30% of those people say, I would have been here 10 minutes ago, but I drove right by your office, and then it took me so long to get back around, so I'm sorry I'm late. Um, that's a pretty big percentage, and as far as evaluating like developments down there and what it could look like for, for certain businesses to be able to prosper there, I think it would encourage a lot of future development on the one ways. And again, I'm speaking a block and a half off of the DDA, but I do feel like it would really encourage more prosperous businesses to um, develop on those areas because it would be easier for customers to come in and that is speaking from a firsthand experience. The other thing that I would say is that with those great big windows, and having a very awesome coffee shop across the street from us that is very busy. I see often how many people turn the wrong way on a one-way. And although some of the people in this room may only be exposed to that occasionally, I probably see, if I were to sit there all day, one about every hour to hour and a half. And that's just one small section of Ashman. I see it all the time. Um, again, not as not a solid statistic, just an average of what I see on one location on one of the one ways. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say in consideration as to why is that, yes, the speed limit is only, what, 30 miles per hour? I drive down it every day and I don't even know if it's 30 or 35. But I will say that um, I see a lot of vehicles driving probably closer to 45 miles an hour down that road, and not to rat anybody out, but including City of Midland dumpsters, which those are big, fast, heavy vehicles, and I see children crossing that street with parents, young children, strollers all the time, and have especially, like, you know, vehicles that probably shouldn't be driving over the speed limit, let alone time and a half the speed limit, is 
pretty concerning. And to slow that down even from like what's what it should be to, well, what it currently is to what it probably should be, I think would be helpful not only in encouraging more of a walkability score, but also, again, prosperous businesses and all the other things that could be considered as to why to consider that change instead of why not. That's it. Thank you very much. Hi, Elizabeth Thomas, 111 Princeton Court, Midland, Michigan. Um, so <clears throat> we, you did this study and um, it's past data and one of the next items on your on, on the docket it, that's going to be relevant. Um, and the reason why I'm going to bring it up is because uh, we want to put 204 units on East Lawn, on the corner of East Lawn. So, you know, this traffic study is based on a less dense population and to make it two-way streets. And, and prior to um, having the development, I'd be very pro two-way. It would be really nice to, mm -hmm. to turn up Rod Street to get to Central Park, it would make um, getting from on the, you know, the side that I'm on to the Central Park Elementary School a lot quicker if they were two ways instead of one ways. And I see a lot of people come out of Kroger parking lot the wrong way down the one way. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not frightened of change. I would be very pro turning it to two way, but you're going to have a, um, big change in population density. Um, if you approve 204 units, which is way more than 204 people, because some of those are two bedroom units. And so, you know, then you're back to, well, we wanna move the traffic through quickly um, to get from one place to the other, right? That's the reason why you have one-way streets is to move traffic. So I don't, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other, but just, you know, it's, you, you can only go on past data and, and the current, the way things are currently, and then you're going to change the makeup. There's a development that's coming in on, uh, off of Dartmouth between, that's close to this one-way situation, um, and then off of Bayless as well. So that's a change in population that is going to change traffic and the data can't capture that because it doesn't exist yet. It's future. Okay, great, thank you. Okay, any other comments? All right, uh, my name is Suzanne Adrian. I'm at 4907 Universal Drive, apartment two. I was originally entirely 100% opposed to changing our one ways to two ways. Um, after listening to several people talk tonight though, I can see some valid points. I would like to bring a suggestion um, for consideration of thought that I really do think that the two ways Ashman and Rod from Nelson towards Saginaw should definitely absolutely be two way streets. Um, the businesses through there would definitely be helped by having two-way streets through there. And you wouldn't have people making that cut from Kroger up the wrong way to the side street over there if it was already a two-way street. And I think that does truly go along with the plan of changing 
of Center City. Um, the whole adjustment of the circle in general, looping, um, I've seen several plans, so I'm not sure which one is actually the real plan, but I do know that two ways are part of that through the Saginaw area. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, after seeing the proposals tonight, two of them I have some serious questions about, so I don't know if the council would just answer that maybe later or if anybody else would be able to answer it for me. Uh, one of the proposals tonight was to change, if I understood correctly, change Rod and Ashman both as two ways, each one single lane, center left turn lane. Fine, wonderful, that makes perfect sense as well. However, I do believe that both of them have bike lanes. So now that at the present moment that they are all three lanes, if there's a biker in that far right lane, I can adjust a lane over without worrying about hitting a biker or anyone else. Um, if we're down to one way each and a center lane, I'm now stuck behind that biker until I can have a safe place to pass. So to me, that creates a huge dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. um, true, people don't follow the speed limit, but that doesn't seem to be a city issue. That seems to be the personal issue of somebody who can't take their foot off the gas pedal. Not my problem, that's their problem. Um, and turning the wrong way, if you just read the signs, you might be able to figure that out. Um, but I do think after Nelson towards downtown, they should stay one ways. The other question or the other proposal, it wasn't entirely clear to me that they're going to be, Ashman for example, will be two, there'll be two lanes of traffic in each direction and no turn lane. And if that's the case, how are we taking a three lane road and making it four? That's tight enough as it is right now. And as the suggestion was made earlier, I believe you said you drive a truck. I would say about 80% of Midland in general has small SUVs to full size trucks. We aren't really a small car town. So if we make our roads more narrow, we're gonna have a, a, a side swiping issue or to me it just doesn't seem as safe because again, we're moving around bikers. Um, I guess the third idea was to take one of the three lanes of the one way and make it a designated non-motorized lane, which I think is a fabulous idea. That actually has me convinced that maybe two lanes is a great idea, to have just a designated pedestrian lane, period. And then we have two lanes, but then we don't have a turn lane for our left-hand turn and we're backing up traffic again. Though the traffic moves smoothly, for the most part, and there really isn't probably a long, significant amount of time making a left-hand turn, but when you're taking away two of our lanes, it is gonna change the dynamic of the flow of that traffic. So it's got plus and minuses there too. I think from Indian to Ann Street and back up, I think those should be one ways, especially considering the design plan that we have fully yet to see for the riverfront if we have the flow of traffic heading down to the river, it circles the river and then comes back up. It's just one big loop and it's just a continuous loop. And that's when I tend to remember that I forget that Ann Street actually is a two-way down at that section. I think it should be a one-way. Two lanes heading back up, two lanes heading back down and we just loop everybody, keep everybody flowing in that direction. Um, 
I, I don't see where there will be a benefit to making downtown two-way. It's a tight enough drive as it is, especially on Ashman between Larkin and Maine. Um, that actually I think should be a one, one road, one, one lane with parking on each side, but we'll keep it too long. Um, but there's just those things I think need to be considered and thought of. It wasn't until Brad, you mentioned you guys already passed it in 2016 that you're going to make them two-way anyway. So what is even the point of being here? Um, but I, I really don't think it would be beneficial for downtown to be two-way. Um, I'm kind of iffy on the section between Indian and Nelson, but I think Nelson back to Cambridge should definitely be two-way. Um, just primarily for a safety standpoint, we are priding ourselves so much in the downtown area to be foot and stroller and family. And I think change, trying to change our community into thinking two lanes down there is going to cause more problems than not. Um, I don't think it will help with the flow of traffic once the riverfront is created. I think it'll make it worse. Um, but again, those are just my thoughts. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening and considering some of these ideas. Thank you. Thank you. All right, any other public comment? Go ahead, Tom. No, I'll let you go. No, you go. Well, okay, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all winded. But I'll cut it short. I see it's 9 o'clock. Well, for those that don't know me, my name is Tom McCann, and I reside at 3310 Jefferson Avenue. And I've been a uh, native here of uh, Midland for extremely close to 90 years. And you probably wonder why I come out on a wintry night like tonight when I could be sitting with the wife in front of the fireplace. But there was a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm tired of listening to Judge Judy. And then I read in the paper that they were going to talk about Ashman and Rod Street. So that was more interesting as what brought me out. Just don't let your wife know as, as we realize, Ashman and Rod Street is your two main arteries serving east side of Midland. You ought to wonder why they made those one ways to start with. Just for the hell of it, so we look like Chicago or Detroit or something. If you go back and pull up the police records, you'll see they've done that because of the accidents that we had with the two-way traffic on those streets. So that was, and especially Ashman, and that was the purpose for that. Um, It's a known fact that 85% of your accidents are not driving right straight down the road, going one direction. It's at intersections, people pulling on and off the streets. So in, if you're on a one-way street, it's a lot easier to back out and move. If you get it on a, you got two-way, you got people out there wanting to go the opposite direction. It, the more movements, the more accidents you're going to have. Uh, 
the, in the intersections, are the, the same thing. If you made them two-way, and you, let's say if you're up here on Ashman and you, you're headed east, you're going to have to watch the traffic coming to you, and you've got to watch the traffic that's coming down Indian Street. So you've got to be careful from two directions. Uh, and of course, people today are, are kind of you know, rambunctious. They can't wait, so they'll try and beat the car one coming one way or the other. I'm not related to Einstein, nor I don't think I got any of his blood. Uh, but my dad told me when I was younger, he said, you know, son, if something's working, don't try to fix the thing. Well, I didn't listen. Because I've had a couple occasions or so in my life where I thought I could do something better when it was working good. Well, I made one big mistake. You know, I should have listened closer to what he had to say. And so I think screwing around with trying to make those two, those Ashman and Rod, one-way streets, you're going to bring on problems. Uh, it, it's not, I mean, I don't know where that idea originated uh, or who thought it was a good idea. All I've ever just know is it's a topic that's been discussed. When that, when they put those one-way streets in, the population, I'm, and I'm guessing now, is probably with about 25,000 over on the east side of town. Since that 1960, it's doubled over there. I mean, that's, that's where the, the biggest section of the, the people live in Midland, I believe is, over on the east side of town or east of uh, Sagala Road. And if I think those people really realize that what tonight was, they were going to be talking about that, I think you're, you had to put an addition on the city hall because I think they would have filled uh, I can't help but believe that 90% of the people that live on the east side wouldn't be up here objecting to making two-way streets out of Ashman and uh, uh, Rod Street. So anyway, I'm not going to take any more of your time. I'm going to get out of here, but I'll tell you, I wish you a joyous Christmas and a fantastic New Year. So that's my closing. Okay, great. Thank you for being here. Thanks yeah. for your comments. I couldn't read, you know, I can hear. This is just for looks, and I can't really see. So 90% uh, of what was said, uh, I missed, and half of what was on the screen, I missed. So if I said something that's out of line, I'm sorry, okay? All right. Merry Christmas, Tom. Well, John Elson, 616 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. Um, I'm not definitely not as old as Tom, and I'm not definitely not as wise as he is, but he's got some really good points. I think when I moved to Midland, you know, one of the reasons I can say is because it's a safe place. I like 
Midland. It feels safe to me. I don't have to worry about a lot of things. And another thing I always like and I always brag about is how easy it is to get around town. Yeah? But it seems like we're doing our best to try to make things worse in this town trying to get around. I, I, I don't understand why we want to fix. Uh, I didn't like the road diet. I surely don't like this. And I'm going to probably like the center city development even worse than this. But, you know, the only times I actually go down that way is I, I have a friend that lives on Helen Street. You know who that is. And, and I go see him. Um, I used to go to SIDS before it closed, and they weren't particularly pleased with this idea. Um, uh, so, I mean, that was really, really, I don't go down that way that often anymore. I mean, I don't go downtown that often, so it shouldn't really bother me, but it does bother me because I know that if I want to get to someplace, I like the idea. It takes me five or 10 minutes, maybe 15 at the very outstretched place. So why we're trying to change these things for no real, real good reason, I have no idea. The one girl that mentioned where somebody passed their place and they had to make a, some kind of thing to get back to that town. What are you gonna do if it's two lanes? What are you gonna do, make a U-turn, turn around? I, you know, I don't know how you're gonna do that other than go around the block or whatever you do and have to cross traffic. I, I, I just don't see why we're, we're not focused on the safety, why we have to make changes for things that aren't really going to matter a whole lot. So peace and love again, and good Yule. All right. <laughs> good evening, Madam, Madam Mayor and members of Council Grant Marshall, 2119 Bayless Street here in the city of Midland. Um, I wanted to talk just a little bit about some of the things that were brought up around weaknesses um, and what is the current weaknesses of that road relative to that neighborhood and why even consider something like this. So really to the, the types of why and to me, living not very far from these corridors and um, being uh, spending a lot of time in that area, it is overbuilt. And if you think of it as a pair of pants and you've lost a lot of weight, we simply don't have the cars that are going down those corridors like we once did. And so we have way bigger pants than we really need in that particular area, which gives us the opportunity to relook and rethink what that corridor is and what it could be. And when you look at that corridor, it has an immense amount of underinvestment and limited investment that's taken place. We've seen some investment in that area, but across the last few decades, there has not been a sizable amount of investment like we've seen in other parts of the city. And a big reason for that and what studies show is that road design matters when it comes to economic development within parts of your community and how fast cars drive matters and how many options there are to access buildings and access businesses matter. And so if you have one way that's driving, you simply have one opportunity to go to those businesses or else you are making large loops to come back around. You don't have the ability to go in a two-way street like you would um, down Saginaw Road or down Eastman to be able to go from both directions to those businesses. And so there is an economic benefit that can be uh, clearly defined and obtained by being able to create two-way streets. <clears throat> by going further and studying this particular corridor in great detail, you can start to achieve some of the other benefits um, for the community, things like walkability, bikeability, stuff that you can trade for that excess weight. Again, thinking of that belt, you can get other community benefits for that particular area by being able to think um, further into the vision of what it is. And we've already made investments as a community into those other areas. We've already done Grove Park and we've made a substantial amount of investment there because we want more people to think of Grove Park as a destination and to use it. 
And in order for the people to get better to Grove Park, they have to have multiple ways to access Grove Park. And so you'll see more people use Grove Park, you have an opportunity to create better biking access, better walking access by being able to study this corridor in more earnest than what we have already today. <clears throat> One thing I also want to point out too is we do have a vision statement, Together Forward Bold, an exceptional place where everyone thrives. It's not an exceptional place where everyone drives, but often or not, we talk about the vehicle and the level of service way more than we prioritize every other thing. And if we're prioritizing vehicles and we're only talking about level of service, we forget that there's a whole host of other things that we need to be thinking about as it relates to community benefit and benefiting people that either can't drive or, or don't want to drive or want to choose our community for other particular reasons. So all that being said, I would encourage your support. I think our pants are too big in this corridor and we need to think about community benefits um, and studying this in order to achieve other things. Along that line, I think also think about econ economic productivity and realizing that when we have made bold plans to change areas of our city, we have seen a lot of new investment come. That's happened in our downtown. It's continuing to happen in Center City with some of the investments we've made there. And so by doing something like this and being bold in this way, we could see a huge change in this neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Renee Banlow and I'm on 3003 Bird Street. Um, and I would just like to point out, I know you guys are thinking, oh, here's some teenager coming up here, probably doesn't know what she's talking about. But from what I've heard tonight, in my point of view, technology is on the rise. I mean, I mean, just look at everything around you. Um, so I think, from what I've seen, like we've got more self-driving cars out there. So I th say think about it in the future. I mean, especially what the gentleman was saying about like, on making the right and left hand turn out of there and with accidents. I mean, like in my opinion, I just feel like in the future with more technology, this isn't, nece like this isn't necessary. And coming from a younger driver who is 16, almost 17, people are gonna speed no matter what. I mean, it's just, if you take a look at M20, the speed limit's 55 and I have people going 80 past me. So I mean, I think speeding is more just like a personal issue rather than just the way the road is. Um, Sorry, there's one other point I wanted to make. Give me a second. I, I totally lost my thought. I'm so sorry. But um, I just think things are fine the way they are, and I think with technology growing, it's just, I think it would just be okay leaving it. And from what I learned, I moved around a lot as I was younger, and from what I've learned coming to Midland is you gotta make time, especially with all those one ways downtown, you have to plan ahead and leave <laughs> earlier in case something like that does happen. So I think maybe if just people would make more time in their schedule, and I understand with as you get older and get more busier, that isn't necessarily like an option. But I mean, especially just living in Midland recently, I give myself at least a good 10, 20, 30 minutes to get places. Like for example, me and my friend Grayson got here about a half an hour early. So I think it's just people have to like have the understanding in mind like, hey, like there's a lot of one ways, especially downtown, I have to make time for that. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Any other comments? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. And so any other comments from the public? Okay. Hi, good evening. Jeff Stomberg, I'm 115 Helen. I didn't plan to speak tonight. I was here to observe, but um, I don't have concrete data. Councilman Anasky, as you asked about, I can give anecdotal data, uh, particularly as a, as a pedestrian. So uh, the mayor has seen me. We live in the same neighborhood. I spend a lot of time either walking with my two-year-old in a stroller 
or running from my home on, on Helen to downtown and then all around downtown. It's a mile from my front door to the Tridge. And I think the previous speaker talked about road design mattering. And, and I've observed how people drive on the street. It's either 40 miles an hour, 45 miles an hour. It's moving from the far left lane to the far right lane. Um, something that I've never heard anybody talk about is, is the, the frequency at which people try to shoot across the, on the side streets because they're trying to get through as these cars are speeding by. I mean, it's, it's probably the most dangerous aspect as I've run down the corridor. But living, uh, my neighborhood has, has gotten predominantly younger since I moved here in 2014. And I would assume it's related to the Central Park Elementary School, whatever that is. And the majority of my neighbors feel completely disconnected from downtown. And it's probably a, an 11 minute walk, but it's because of the way that cars and pedestrians interact on what is essentially a three lane racetrack. It's not, it's not hard data. Uh, I think what I understood the city staff talking about was doing this wouldn't, it wouldn't create a traffic problem. So a previous week we talked about the why and the why not. I'm thinking about the why and all of the other factors and benefits that come with changing road design and change how people interface with the downtown and the community versus keeping it the way it is. So um, I fully support as a private citizen um, moving forward and reaffirming uh, the redesign downtown and hope you'll consider uh, moving farther up, whatever whatever direction that is, back towards Center City. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, are there any other public comment tonight? All right, Lacey, would you please read the resolution? Resolution will receive and file a capacity analysis conducted by OHM advisors, approve the conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets south of, in, south of Indian to two-way vehicle traffic, and authorize the completion of analysis and community engagement to consider the potential conversion of Ashman and Rod Street from Indian to Cambridge. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Okay, do we have a second? A second, so okay. we can give discussion. Okay, we have a first and second. Discussion. Person, can can you tell me when that resolution was passed in 2016? Because it wasn't included in the package, and I would like to read it. Um, Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was towards the end of 2016. I don't know if you have the exact date or not. The resolution in question was October 24th of 2016. Thank you. I just want to say one thing, and I'm going to like push, just say it right now because I'm going to lose this and not be able to find it again on my phone. Um, so I was downtown during the Gus Macker, and I've lived here all my life. I think I really, I pretty well know this community. And I was coming from getting my morning donuts at Ace Hardware, and I was coming down that side street, and all of a sudden I was confused because I was going, wait a minute, what street is this? Because cars were po parked both ways on it. There's signs there that say, do not enter. I mean, I, turned, I got off the street, turned around, walked back so I could take pictures of it. Do not enter, and cars are parked both ways on that one-way street. Because as outsiders, that's, those one-way streets are not the norm. I mean, that's, it, that's how confusing it was for someone coming to Midland. You know, I... Uh, Ward 2, I talk with folks who are down in that circle area. They say it's a nightmare giving people directions on how to get to Plaid Giraffe, how to get into Smith's if you're in a certain location in town. I think, you know, Jacob said it as a new person. And new person, you really have to have uh, 
you know, you have to use Google Maps to figure out how to do it. I can tell you I know how to get through every single parking lot <laughs> here to, to quickly get to where I want to go. Um, you know, and I think, you know, one-way streets, I was under the impression that they were safe. But really, I think statistically it will show that they are not. I think there's statistics that show that, that really, that a two-way street is, is, is a safer street to, dri to drive on. Now, at first I thought, oh yeah, things are going to move slower, but you know what? There's going to be a two-way street going downtown and there's going to be, you know, a two two-way two streets going downtown, not just one street going one way and one street going the other. We're going to have two streets going in both, in both directions. I think we need to have more conversation about this. I think we need to have some public input. I think it's our jobs to be visionary as leaders, to think about what we want our community to look like and what we can, what we can possibly be. And I think that, that, that that's our job. It's not our, you know, I mean, to have cars going 45 miles an hour down Rod or Ashman, that's really not what that area of town wants to be. And I think we've seen such incredible amount of life coming out of um, that whole area by Grove Park. And I want to say that I think the concept of Midtown has been the most incredible um, grassroots movement I've ever, I'm a sociology major movement I have ever seen. I mean, people say they want to live in Midtown. I go, we don't even have a Midtown, come on. That isn't it, but we do now just because that's what people want. And, that, and I think that that's our job to think about that, what we want to be as a community in the future. And we need to set that vision and we need to work towards that vision. So I have to say I must be right behind you because I, all, I know all the parking lots to zip through and I just kind of wonder when I do that, like, okay, could I get a ticket for doing this? But that being said, you know, it's true. Um, you pass something up, you are going to cut through somewhere to try to get around. And I think some of the points tonight were very valid. Um, we need to, and I see the families, the parents walking with their children, and sometimes I even think, I would not be walking my baby down Ashman because one, it's so close to the road and they are flying. At the same time, I was thinking about, you know, the focus on the 3.7 million or whatever it's going to be and I did hear you say it could be less, much less. You know, when I start thinking about the safety factor and the fact we have families and guess what? Today is a lot different than it was back in the 60s. It's a lot different than it was back five years ago, um, we do need to stay focused on our future and where we want, where are we going? And so we have spent a lot of time and money thinking about where we want to be and what we want to do as a, as a community, as a city to attract um, people to come and work here as well as attract additional businesses. So, you know, if that's going to support economic development, might be the right answer. And we've seen what's happened already, as you mentioned, Midtown, we've Downtown, um, how it's just, you know, blossoming and flourishing and never a parking spot available. So those are all good things that we want. Um, 
I looked up the resolution. I think it's a stretch to say that we approved it uh, downtown. So it's probably appropriate to be on this uh, agenda item as a resolution. And I'm talking about the uh, Ashman Rod downtown being one way to two way. It's, it's, it's categorized in a, in a long report which talks about support secondary elements of streetscape recommending, including traffic management for downtown, bike lanes on McDonald, and a snowmelt system. I don't believe we have bike lanes on McDonald or a snowmelt system. So these are all ideas that were basically part of, geez, wouldn't we like to do this going forward? I don't think it gave us, the, gave anybody the authority to make those changes. So it's appropriate to do it tonight. Um, I'd like to hear from Mr. Brain. Pop it up on the screen. Okay. okay. Anyway, did, did that's you, my did, point. Is, that's is my your, point. Is that your point. But okay. I think the other thing is, is, as we're listening here tonight, what, what became really apparent is that there's, it's a lot of subjectivity. Everybody's got a different view about what will, you know, what's, the, what's it like, what will it be, you know, is it going to promote economic development? That, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's, it's, there's, no, there's no objective proof on any of these things. And Maureen, you talked about safety, but is, is there any evidence that the roadways they are now are unsafe? Is, it, is there a lot of accidents? Has there anybody been hurt? Is there something? Look, you have the situation like we put the traffic circle on Business 10 when it was coming off there because there was a lot of injuries. That was a, a dangerous intersection from the perspective of people were getting hurt. People didn't like the traffic circles, but we put it in. We've reduced the amount of people getting hurt. There's still accidents, but they're, they're lower speed fender benders. There was objective data, something that needed to be fixed. We've made a change. It improved it. What is the objective thing that we're trying to, to do here? I mean, we're just as this as we heard tonight. There's just as many people can argue it's better this way versus the other way. Um, you know, I, I guarantee you, a lot of people are going to be upset if you change it. And so, if you're going to make the change, <laughs> as I said back on May 23rd, come forward with what are the weaknesses and how is this change going to address those weaknesses? You know, making things two-way is changing it from a three-lane road down to a one-lane road. That's a pretty dramatic change. So I, I think we're still where we are in terms of, of just not having really good data to make a, a very significant emotional decision uh, on these roads, even downtown. Okay, so I, but, I don't think there's data for everything. I right? don't. I don't think there's data for everything. If you're looking for data, yeah, I you know, am. I mean, like, do you have data when you get married? Data? I don't know. That's a risky that you take for sure. But you, you know, or have kids. Data. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good example. And so you go, whoa. So you know, when I look at this, I think, well, one, I, I think our, I look at what our option is, uh, or what it is we we want to do. One, we know that we have to have some information back to MDOT by a certain date. Um, by by March, for for their design That's what they've asked for, yes. to do I their think be design. Be careful, because Brad said even in the May twenty third meeting, MDOT is not pushing this in any way. No, but I think. No, but they are looking for by March some information. They are not pushing a conversion of Ashman and Rod. You're right, okay. but they yeah. do need feedback from the city on how the design of these intersections will be. You know, and I did you know hear from some people back who said, listen, I, I don't think you should change from in. I don't know how, how to, from Indian to Ann Street if you don't change the other part of the road. 
I don't think you should change it. I did hear that back from, from some folks that they thought that that would just be, you know, very confusing. I think we should just, you know, we have this opportunity to, get, to go out and to hire folks to help get some public comment and we can have more public comment in this. And probably we could just create a whirlwind of opposition one way or, or the other. But I think we need to just not arbitrarily just make, say we're not going to do something I, tonight. I think the opposition's already there. People in my ward are against this. They've been making it very clear. Okay. And, and by the way, phase so, two did say we're going to go out and get have additional right. stakeholder meetings and community and broader community meetings. But, um, you know, that's why <laughs> what we do going forward is one thing, but I didn't realize we were going to be faced with you know, what I think we do have to make a decision if we're being asked to tonight on the downtown uh, one ways. And so from that perspective, what do we know? What do we know about making it, making converting those from one ways to two ways between Indian and the river? I can tell you one thing we do know. I mean, with all the discussions on Indian and bottles and accidents, guess what? We still have a whole lot of accidents. So if any of this slows it down, that could be a benefit going two ways. I'm serious. We have just as many accidents going on now as we always have been. Nothing's changed, but we haven't changed anything there either. So that's an issue that needs to be fixed. But as to downtown. It is downtown. No, on Rod and Ashman downtown. But you got to go down Ashman to get to downtown, so you're crossing over puddles. But, but we're voting on Indian, just that Indian to, to Ann Street section. Right, that's what I'm saying. And the accidents that happen are either going... They're on Indian and puddles, right? They're, they're those, yeah, but they're those crashes those where they're running into the apartment is at Ashman. That apartment that they've hit 50 million times in the... I that's, shouldn't say 50. That's 50 on Jerome. That's Jerome. Yeah. Jerome. But that's still... That's Jerome. That's yeah. But it's still at that corner of Ashman and Jerome. No, no, no or, that... No, no. I, Wait a minute. I, I think the intersections you're talking about are Ashman right um, and Rod as they cross Indian and Buttles. Yes. So those, those four intersections, yes. those four major ones, the ones we talked about the cost before, but... Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. There, there's accidents there. Yeah. But I don't know the statistics off the top of my like head. Where Ashman and Rock cross Ellsworth, Larkin, Main Street, Ann Street. Changing well, those. Besides the fact folks driving the wrong way. They'll drive the wrong way after you change it. Promise you. Okay, Steve, you've been known to change a resolution. Yes. Okay, so why don't you change? Do you have a. I, I, I just I, want to figure out. I, I'm still trying to. I don't know what I'm going to vote on yet. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to. to decide whether the downtown, I mean, this is, first of all, I don't like the fact that they're all built together, but nonetheless, on the, as far as the downtown Ashman and Rod sections going to two-way, because I don't think we did approve it, help me understand, as part of this discussion, what we're going to be benefiting, what's the benefit, what's the pros and cons from taking it from the two-way, or one, or excuse me, one-way down, switch it around the two-way. Because, I mean, I could see it, causing more problems. I know that when, you know, as I think Ms. Adrian pointed out, you get there in front of Witchcraft and Cafe Expresso Milano, a lot of times there's only one lane going down there anyway. I'm not sure how you get two-way traffic going there. Um, it, it, it seems to me there would be some real congestion going on. I think, frankly, I didn't think about it, but having that loop concept is probably makes more sense than anything else uh, from 
down Ashman, you know, go one way and then back up Rod. But um, that's leaving it as a one way. But if we make it two way, well, what you know, what is the what is the risk right now? Other than occasionally you have people go the wrong way, and I grant you that happens a lot. A lot. But it's do you do you deny that it's not going to continue to happen? We're going to have people going the wrong way on the lanes because we've had this okay. for sixty years. For initially. I mean, I was here when they changed oh, well. it to one way. Yes. I mean, I was alive then, and believe but probably not driving. <laughs> I was driving, believe it or not. Um, so, well, right. wait, I wasn't quite there driving then. I did, right. but I did have to take my driving test on this circle, so right. maybe I was. So, so part as part of the discussion, what do you think the benefits are of, of changing it to a two way? Or anybody, honestly. I, I thought the study about. said there was no compelling reason. One way or did the I other. Pick, did I uh, yeah. hear that wrong? Yeah, one no, way or the other. What, what, just to clarify, what you heard was that from a traffic Fixed. perspective, there is no reason. It can, one way or the other will work equally well. Yeah. Um, and that's all that was studied by OHM in the report that was presented by Mr. Lemon tonight. Right. The other reasons Mr. Kane presented, they're in your report. They were presented on the, on the board behind us as far as the reasons that we set the last time we looked at this. And they, I forget what they all are, including use of the Larkin deck, uh, better, better flow of uh, traffic in front of businesses. And mm -hmm. there were five of them total. I forget them all off the top of my head. But those, those were right. the reasons that were put forward and advanced. So, but and I, those haven't changed. I think we're so car focused, we just think how, you know, what is that going to do? From a, mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, well, I think that that changed. Would that be a little bit touchy, or you know, if to change it to two way? Well, we have yeah. to recognize the climate frame. We're always going to be car focused. Nobody walked here tonight. You know, it's thirty degrees out and it's icy and snowy. So and, okay, you know, um, and, and six months out of the year, we're going to be everybody's going to be in cars and. There's just people who flat out, you know, will not. And, I, and you know, you heard earlier tonight, I, I do a lot of bicycling, but I'm realistic about this. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I still don't know about that aspect of the resolution. I think we can go out and gather public. We can just, we can say we're not want, we want public in, more public input on it. So we can... Well, but I thought that's part of why we got OHM involved. Well, we looked for some data, and they said, well, there's no compelling data one way or the other. Okay. I mean, isn't that what, isn't that what it said? That's, but, well, that's, you know, but I was asking them for more, but I was asking right. them for, right. you know, specifically, what are the, what are the, what's the problems? And mm -hmm. Brad just rattled off some considerations, but those are squishy. You, so you, you're in the planning world. Let's put it put it bluntly. Right. You're right, in the planning world. You're not in the engineering world where there's hard data and analysis that are going to lead you to these decisions. These are you setting a vision for the community. You establishing what you would like to see the future of your community be. And sometimes that is a leap of faith in the sense that you have to base it on what you anticipate to be the results in the case, and you lean forward into that. Whether it be policy, whether it be decisions like this, whatever that might be. I understand because we've had the same discussion when we talked about other streets. It's not always going to be there in that form yeah. before you make those decisions. 
Um, if I can just go back though, um, the comment about OHM, all they were commissioned to do was tell us whether it's, it'll work or not because what we were concerned, of course, would be we don't want to go out to a big public process. We don't want to involve people, drag them in, get their, uh, their emotions stirred up, and then go, oh, you know what, it doesn't work, so we're just going to drop it. So we had to get past that hurdle first, and that's where we're at right but now. But that's that's where they start. That's where we started, and that's why the extra 45 minutes to an hour that we end up discussing was to get them to say identify the weaknesses in the current system, in so, the current, so that we know what we're trying to address. What is the problem mm -hmm. we're trying to solve? Yeah. So understood. But what you're trying to do is you're get, trying to get data to say that there's a weakness in the system, and what they're saying is there isn't necessarily a weakness in the system. Changing it also isn't going to make it a weak system. So you're, you're essentially neutral on those points. So the question is, do the other reasons, do the other factors weigh heavily enough in your minds to continue this process or not? And if you don't, that's your choice as counsel. But yeah. if you do and you hear some of those other comments and you want to at least explore them, then you would continue the process forward. But so, we don't have answers to everything right now. And that's, that's why we're here today. It's a touch point. That's why we haven't spent the whole $40,000 um, that the contract authorized us to do. So, Brad, we have until March to get back to MDOT? That's when they have asked it. Now, in fairness, they've asked for it last March, <laughs> this, oh, this summer, it? and it's moved a number of times, but, of course, it continues to get compressed, and mm -hmm. at some point in time, they're going to make a hard decision, say, we can't take any more feedback. They're mm -hmm. still taking it at this point in time, okay. and they've indicated to us that um, today, March, is their, their cutoff. Okay, so if we have these public discussions for input, we'd have to have them right after the beginning of the year to get that back so we can make an, a decision. So tonight's decision would be, do we continue to move forward, have the public discussions mm -hmm. to come back and then have our proposal, our rec our whatever our answer is right. to end up. Okay, the, wait a minute. You, you're like, yeah, you're doing the... Yeah, there is a resolution that's read. It's moved and seconded. So there's three phases to the resolution. There's two. There's one that seems to be pretty simple. Receive and file, which you heard mm -hmm. tonight. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, what you ever heard, you, you listen to it, you file it. That, that's the, the next phase is Ashman and Rod south of Indian. Ashman and Rod south of Indian only. And as I've listened, you know, it's morphed to, from the circle to, to all the areas of the streets and all sorts of intersections. Before you, on the table, is Ashman Rod, south of Indian only. So it's Indian to the river, just mm -hmm. as, as, as Councilman Arnosky said. And the third phase is the completion of the analysis of the current engagement, getting people involved, getting answers to where you want to go forward for the balance of the one ways. And that's the involvement. That's not deciding tonight whether they close mm -hmm. or whether you do it or not. That's getting the additional information. Mm -hmm. So. You can keep talking as long as you want, but, but focus where the issue is in front of you of the, of the three items within the resolution. Right. And, and I, that's where I was actually yeah. heading, was you can easily divide the resolution into three yes. and have three separate votes on those matters. So um, if there's an uncomfort or discomfort level with any one of those three elements, um, they can be broken apart. I think we should break it apart because they are three totally different things. They're all tied together, mm -hmm. but they're different. Yeah. And, so do we have a motion to a, does someone want to make an amendment to this motion because uh, to, so to receive but let me just Jim let me to receive and file this that would mean like hey we're we're acknowledge that it came in yeah is that all so but that but then it added the other two things the other two things are in 
addition to the receiving file. Oh, okay. They're all, they're separate, they're combined within, because as, as you indicated, they're all part and parcel of what you're doing, but the first is just a receiving file, the report that was given. The second is the closure, or the changing of the, the one ways from Indian down, correct? And then the third one would be? authorized to move forward the public input phase for the rest of it. So, so Jim, if I may, Madam Mayor, Please. Jim, the, I would think the, the easier way, rather than trying to do mo amendments to this motion, would be to have the mover and, su and support simply withdraw the original motion and then introduce individual motions um, one at a time. That's so correct. It's going to be a far simpler process than amendments to it. For our notes, it would be. I'll withdraw. Oh, no, you. Go ahead. No, you know, you did the you both okay. need, you okay. both okay. need you to agree. So I move to withdraw the current motion on the floor. And I'll, I'll second that. Okay. Is all of council okay with that, that action? Yes. Yep. Okay. Aye. So all in favor, aye. 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 Okay, fine, we are. And now I okay. move <laughs> for to receive and file the report received today. I'll second that. Okay, we have a motion to receive and file the report that we received. And Marty's yeah, yeah. So we can vote. Yeah, so mm -hmm. we have a first and second. Any discussion on that? Brother, and I don't think that they provided what they were supposed to provide. I don't think the report does what was asked of them on May 23rd. Okay. 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 Or does that, that's... Well, again, well, the motion that's in front of you is receive and file. file. You're not yeah. taking a position or taking any action based on it at this point. You're acknowledging simply that it was presented to you. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we have a motion all to receive and file, and we have a second. Then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Okay. That passes 4-1. So then the next motion is in support of Rod and Ashman. Oh. Oh, yes. Approve the conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets south of Indian to two-way vehicle traffic. So moved. Second. Okay, we have a first and second. Do we have discussion on that? Well, I think if we're going to have more input, I think that we don't do that. Until we have more input, if Steve, well, you that's, look at it. That's, that's the, where I am. I, I, I still don't know whether it's a wise decision or not based on the information that's right. been presented. I mean, at this mm -hmm. point in time, as it relates to that particular motion, if we have more public, if we go out and get more public input and make that a part of it, and that could, ha could be part of what comes out of that, but to right now to say that we want to do that because we decided that back in 2016, which I said we did, um, I'm, you know, I just think that, that that should be something that we have public input on, the overall concept of, mm -hmm. of that. And, and Madam Mayor, you do have letters on file that came in late today, um, happens, this particular letters from uh, Jim Stamas and representing Pizza Sam's, which was the position being, I don't care if you convert it to two-way, but if you're gonna do it, do it all, don't do, do just a portion of it. So the, the position that you're suggesting would essentially follow that, that let's wait to de decide it all when at one time. he says portion, he means all the way up to the circle? Or uh, what does he mean? Yes, from, mm -hmm. from, from basically Main Street all the way to the circle, if you're gonna do it, don't do just from Indian South, mm -hmm. um, and then leave the north portion of it as one, one way. way. So he, basically he's saying don't split the road, it's all or nothing <laughs> in his view. split at his corner. 
Well, What's no. that? Right, no. but, uh, south of them would be two-way. I understand that position. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, we're not, yeah, the suggestion has never been to split it just at Maine. It's, it's always been right. split it at Indian if you split it. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so, again, just there's a portion of the population that's out there, too, that says, I don't care if you do it all, but don't cut, cut the baby in half, it. basically, and do part of it and not the rest of it. But that's a, a Solomon thing. I know it is. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah, I mean, there's different considerations, but depending on where you, you know, there are. A lot, I mean, a lot of the examples you guys gave about the circle and how you have to get around is not perfect. I mean, that there surely would be a way to improve that, but, uh, mm -hmm. and downtown is, you know, it does have the issue about people going the wrong way. The section in between, I don't know, I'm not seeing anything with that, but that's, mm -hmm. again, my subjective opinion. Okay, so then we don't want to support this because we want to take time to do community feedback and then bring this back to the table. I'm yeah, so we have a first I'm, and second, though. Yeah, I'm supportive of it. It's oh, wait, you're going one way, so I'll just throw that. I, I Say know that it looks again. like I'm going to be outvoted <laughs> for the one way south of India, the downtown portion. Okay. So. Everybody's okay. okay, so no, that we was vote, we haven't voted yet, but Marty's right. hit you know You're right. I'm just throwing that my opinion right now is he would I he would he would, he would support it right now. Support it to move forward. All right. And that was the motion? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we had a first and second. All right. Hold and it. I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> so if we want to have the community input, do we well, I think that, that's the third one. Well, no, we, we vote on this and we see if this passes. Okay. Well, if we vote it down, we can bring it up again. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. the question is, I think, is, is what you're asking, can we get public input on the downtown section or, yeah. or the portion north of Indian Note to the Circle? No, just the downtown, downtown section. Yeah. So, so this would approve it, approve the conversion is what the motion is that was introduced. Um, you can always revisit that. Let's be blunt but if but the resolution would be on the record unless you changed it at some point in the future so if your concern is you want you want public input before you make a decision then what the mayor has been saying what uh, councilman Arnosky has been saying is we let's not vote to approve it. or okay uh, approve the conversion tonight. so I can I pull back the motion you can't because Marty's wants to support it so you need both the mover and second oh. okay okay <laughs> do I have a first and second then all well, in? tell you what if it's a, basically it's just delaying the vote either way, so. You're I'll, willing to withdraw I'll, it I'll too? I will. Support re moving the, from we it. want to remove right. the motion? We can make it part of the motion. Right, so that? that comes off the table then, right? <laughs> if you all agree with that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I would like to withdraw your second. my motion. Then we're right back to zero again on the. Downtown. Right. Yeah. And right. so then we'll get date, we'll get we'll get a little right. more yep. focused information about yes. the pros and cons of the downtown two way versus one way. But okay. So we have a motion to go out to go out and get public no. We need we need Not yes. Yet, yeah. No. You haven't that's just a, that's Okay, a we got a vote on me withdrawing that motion. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do we? Yes. Yeah. All right then. So okay. all, in all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Okay. Now now every now Everybody's at the same page. Every, yep. The first receiving file is through. The second that has been read is just sitting out there, and so is the third position within the original motion or the original resolution. And so and I need to.
to make a motion so, that we... So Lacey has a motion that's there, but is it specific to the corridor or does it apply to the whole corridor? I was going to check. It's to complete the corridor study. This is, yeah, to complete the analysis and community engagement to consider the potential conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets yeah, from is, Indian to yeah, Cambridge. Indian yeah, to that's Cambridge, the second so, half. So, so you want to, if, if your intent is to us to go out to the public and engage can them we just across take off the whole those, quarter. Yeah, can we just, just take off those four last words? That's why I was going to. No, I think you want to. No, I, we want to. You want to add Well, downtown. I mean, other we than, other than Tony Stamas, I mean, we could split it. Still, well, you I mean, could. everybody else is okay. Oh, you want to do two resolutions? No. no. Uh, let's we'll, just do the whole thing. No, I think this just addressed the, 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 the this is the He's remainder of the He's saying add the downtown only and not do anything for well, the we're not. We haven't directed in the downtown only. You haven't directed yet. anything yet. That's, yeah. that's what right. the but, but, question But now the, 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 the other resolution that's on the table, or was on the table, is the. Um, is saying that, so that's Is doing from Indian to Cambridge. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Right. Take those last it's four words off from Indian to Cambridge. Right, and just say and that the whole way, thing. From the, river, say, from the river no, to Cambridge. Just even say Ashman to Rod Street, or Ashman and Rod Street. Just stop, and that's oh. going to take the whole thing. Yeah. Oh. So, so what count, under that type of a resolution, yeah. what we would do would be basically gather public input, going back into the downtown again, and looking at the, the area Correct. north of Indian. Mm -hmm. That's if, if that's yeah. the direction that you want. So that resolution. Do you guys want to combine them all, or we can yeah. still look at mm -hmm. them separately? Well, no, I think when we Indian for, Rod goes all that way. I'm just or, asking. I mean, me, so we're no yeah, longer splitting it Indian. It's for public input purposes. Right. You're, okay. you're not splitting yeah. it. Right. When it comes back to you, you would still it have the option at that time to split yes. it. Okay. Or not. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So taking the last four words off of that. Which reads, yeah, please. yeah you might want to reread yes. it. <laughs> Authorize the completion of analysis and community engagement to consider the potential conversion of Ashman and Rod Streets. So moved. So moved. Second. Great. <laughs> okay. Wow, do we have discussion on this? Uh, just, just a tail end on what Diane was asking about. So time frame? It's going to have to be soon. Well, no, they're going to set up RFPs. Yeah, the that's the, what the I'm wondering. Is, is it going to be a six? It's good. We're going to be pushing March. There's, there's no question on this, but we will do the best that we can within the time we have available, depending on how quickly we can get our RFPs out and responded to. So, all right. So, but, but we think, I think hopefully them, we'll and, get a better product. And I think I'm that if they see us, that we're going to make a decision early there's, April or something. I think they'd be fine. They're going to say we, we keep. We always run it. the risk that they draw the line and said you're right but you're I think done. that's where we can, we can make a more we can make a quicker decision on downtown than maybe the rest of the corridor perhaps and, and there's no and that, and then provide that feedback to because once you get to the rest of the corridor you're talking about okay how's it gonna work around the circle and so forth mm -hmm. all right. okay I'm fine Very all right then are we ready to vote mm -hmm. all right all in favor please say aye aye, aye. aye. opposed okay that passes Wow. We'll be back. That was <laughs> what a way to end of the year, let me say that. We've got one more item. We do, yes we, we do. do. We yep. have, I'm yep. sorry, we have item number eight, which is to schedule um, a public hearing. Mr. Kane, would you please talk about that? Good evening. Uh, this item, item number eight, is a request to schedule a public hearing to approve concept plan for planning development number 21 which is a multiple family development located at 115 East Lawn Drive. The resolution included in your packet tonight would receive the Planning Commission's recommendation 
and set a public hearing on this item for your January 9th meeting. Okay. Does anyone have any questions for Mr. King? So we're not discussing the item, we're just setting the public hearing. Correct. Okay. I guess the question would be is timing. For January 9th, does it have to be on that date? Or well, I mean, by practice, when the appropriate notice period under state law exists, we schedule the public hearing for the next available meeting. Okay. Is there a reason you didn't want it? Um, I think it's, you know, you have a lot of the holidays in between. That's the only reason. But that's fine. That's okay. I want to make sure people have an opportunity to be aware of it and, and comment. We'll be prepared to comment during the public hearing. Okay. That's the only, that's the only reason. Yeah. All right. Then any other questions for Mr. Kane? Thank you. Okay. Can we have a, we have a motion to, ex wait, sorry. I'm seeing if I'm, <laughs> we have the thing. Don't you, sit down quite yet. So he, all we are is here to pub, to set the public hearing, so is there any comments from the public at this point in time? Okay. Thanks for your patience. I'm sorry I had to wait a bit. That's all right. Um, Elizabeth Thomas, 111 Princeton Court. Um, good evening, Madam Mayor and City Council. Um, the reason why I requested to pull this item off of the consent agenda is because I don't think the Planning Commission considered um, this item properly or thoroughly at the Planning Commission meeting. Um, the, they had a special meeting um, prior to Planning Commission meeting that started at 7 o'clock, and if you watch the replay of it, um, this item, which was item C on Planning Commission, Planning Commission um, was not until one hour and six minutes into the meeting. So if you want to fast forward and uh, arrive at this item, it's one hour and six minutes into the discussion. And there was a motion to take a 10 minute break. However, um, there were people there to speak on public comment that were not well behaved or respectful to the presenter. So, I mean, they, were, they had wanted to take a break and they said, no, we want you to present this item and discuss it. And so for um, a good deal of time, um, Jacob Kane presented the development and then there were three questions asked um, from Planning Commission. And then um, there is 38 minutes of public comment, not in support. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, Grant Marshall did speak in favor of the development. Um, but and I know that this is not public con comment, that this, you are here to take public comment, but Planning Commission spoke for less than 10 minutes um, after all of the public comments were heard. And uh, Commissioner Bain stated that he was concerned with the scale of the development and compatibility with the surrounding areas. And <clears throat> that would be on the, for uh, planned unit development, um, you know, concept plan eligibility criteria number four under item C says land use patterns established by the PUD development shall be compatible with existing and planned uses on and adjacent to the site. I'm sorry, but six three-story buildings with 204 units is a very dense 
um, thing. So, so <clears throat> I appreciate what you're telling us, but okay. we are only considering planning the planning the public hearing. So we're not hearing the uh, we're not reviewing what was done by the planning commission. We're only we're not re reopening or discussing the item, which we would do during the public hearing. So okay. I, 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 I'm just taking issue with the fact that Planning Commission did not, I don't feel like they thoroughly evaluated or considered they spent less than 10 minutes time. Okay. I, okay. You'll have an opportunity to do that on the next, on October, or excuse January. me, January, January 9th. 9th. So what you're saying you'll be able to speak to and point out to us at that point in time, my only question to you is, uh, will you be able to do that on January? Will you be available? Do you think other people would be available on January 9th? I, I mean, I can make myself available. Um, because that is the time that you would bring your comments that you're trying to give us tonight. Because tonight all we're always saying is- We're planning we're, the public hearing. We're gonna, we're gonna let everybody know that January, January 9th is the day to come forward and, and express your uh, approval or you know, disapproval. Okay, I just, I- <clears throat> Let's make sure I understand what- I just, I, I didn't think that if it violated things in the proposal, how you can pass it through. Even though it's a preliminary plan, if it, if this, you know, if there are things that are not- yeah. I understand what you're saying, but that's our responsibility then to address that during that public hearing. Okay. So- oh, but, Well then, um, I would appreciate a public hearing so that I can okay. come back and see you. I, um, I do appreciate. I I do follow. Um, I know city council from the luxury of my room. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right. Okay, so the this is to schedule a public hearing for the ninth. We um, public comment. We have a. Do we have a motion to approve setting the? Oh, Lacey, please. This resolution will schedule a public hearing for January 9th, 2023 to consider a request for concept plan approval of planned unit development number 21 initiated by River Caddis Development for a multiple family residential development located at 115 East Lawn Drive. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? Okay, first and second. Any discussion on this? Okay, all in favor then please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 5-0. That now does take us down to the end of the agenda. Is there any new business that you have, Mr. Kane? No, I imagine Kane. You're, you're... I called you Mr. Kane. I, know, I think I've been I, like... I know, you've been doing that a couple of times. No, jeez. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate and I suspect Let's you're going to make a comment uh, relative to the time of the year, but certainly on behalf of city staff um, and myself, thank you all uh, for the past year. Um, it's, it's been a, an interesting, challenging year for us all, but I certainly wish you all a happy holidays and Merry Christmas as we go forward into the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, thank you. I think on behalf of all of us to the community, we want to say thank you um, for your involvement and um, your comments, and we wish you and your family the most wonderful of holidays. And with that, we're adjourned.
This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation. <laughs>